to episode two of every number one in Australia from 1983 AD until present. That is, of course, a working title still. I'm Ben. It's, it's very... I'm Tom. Tom. <laughs> it's, yes. it's very catchy, very catchy. <laughs> and yes, episode two, 1984. Mm. Not just a, a George Orwell novel, but also an actual <laughs> year. I didn't even make that connection. That's how smart I am. But yes, the year of George Orwell... Famous Apple TV commercials and the second year of the ARIA charts in Australia. So, absolutely, absolutely. I think there's another um, Orwell reference in this episode. I think Ooh, I've tried, I've tried to get one in, <laughs> but I can't remember whether it is this or it's well, just next I'm week. I'm going to keep yeah. looking for examples now. So, absolutely, right. absolutely. So, um, look, let's just get straight into yeah, this. Yeah, let's do it. Last time went for two and a half hours, so let's just. <laughs> I'm just going to plow in. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so, first four weeks. At number one was Lionel Richie, um, All Night Long, which is a carryover from last year. Yes, we covered that fairly extensively. You I have... remember that uh, there was some controversy about a bunch of lyrics that were just complete nonsense that he made up. <laughs> yeah, he's cancelled now, Tom. He's effectively cancelled. <laughs> We've cancelled him. It's only a matter of time. People will hear this. Twitter will cancel him because he's just made up yep. African language. Jumbo, jumbo. It's, it's racist. It's not on. I won't take it. Lionel, you're out. So... Um, see you later, mate. It was nice knowing you. Um, mm. So that was the first four weeks. So it wasn't until 30 January where we get the first new number one song of 1984, which is In Excess, Original Sin. Now, straight off the bat, Tom, I want to ask you, who is your preferred In Excess frontman, <laughs> Michael Hutchins or JD Fortune? <laughs> um, I think I'm more of a Rob Thomas guy myself. Oh, um, I know. He, because... he definitely ducked in. I think for a bit of work at I'm some cheating, stage. I'm cheating, but I'll, I'll leave it to you because I'm looking at your notes. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. That's okay. Um, yeah, because I guess the, the thing is with, with Michael Hutchins is a lot of people say that you know he, he died too soon, but I say not soon enough because <laughs> I really think that In Excess, fronted by JD Fortune back in 1984, I think would have been good. If Hutchins had have died <laughs> back now, we could have had JD fronting the band back then. He, sure. w- he was born in 1973, so he would have been 11 at the time. <laughs> just just imagine this song with an 11-year-old JD Fortune <laughs> fronting. I mean, all the best artists started when they were kids. Mm. Bieber, um, sure. Chris Cross were pretty young as well. <laughs> Hilary Duff, um, Aaron Carter. All, all the finest musicians oh, of our generation started early. And I really think that this song... With a child, JD Fortune mm. probably would have been better than the version that we have, but yes. unfortunately, Michael Hutchins lived for another twelve years, so this is what we're stuck with. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, onto the song itself, I guess. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I could just talk more about. Actually, before I move on, to it, I will. I will just mention though um, that in excess, they've sold seventy million albums worldwide. Yeah. One of Australia's most successful um, bands internationally so good on them but I can't help but feel they would have sold more records if they'd stuck with their original name for the band uh, Dr. Dolphin Ah yes I mean it just goes to show doesn't it I mean in a different world we could have had Dr. Dolphin fronted by a smoking hot 11 year old um, 
soon to be idol winner. I mean, who knows where they could have gone? Like, they seventy million is nothing to what they could have sold. You know, Absolutely, let's say oh, for sure. I mean, what are you up to tonight? I'm going to see Doctor Dolphin. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue. People will be like, "Is that a kids band? Is it like a novelty act?" No, no, no. They've got that song "Original Sin" with oh, that eleven-year-old kid. It's like okay. Yeah. The so, whole front row is just teenage girls screaming at an eleven-year-old. Absolutely. Called Doctor Dolphin. They think he's called Doctor Dolphin. They yeah. don't realise the whole band's called Doctor Dolphin. It's one of those situations. <laughs> so it's a very give your band situation. a singular person's title, and everyone just thinks the lead singer is that. That's his name. Like he's Doctor Dolphin. Jamiroquai. That's just. Oh, he's just going to get called Jamiroquai for the rest of his life. Yeah. That's not his name. He no. never wanted to be called that. That's the band name. <laughs> you know. It is problematic. That's what happens. People just say this guy just wants to be known as Jamiroquai. So he doesn't. He doesn't. He's fucking like, up himself eleven year old looking <laughs> up there getting all the chicks exactly but I was reading a bit about JD Fortune um, please for his research obviously <laughs> this show before we move on to the song as I said we would but um, apparently at the time that he he auditioned so sorry a lot of people probably don't know the story if you don't obviously Michael Hutchins passed away in 1997 and then in 2005 so in the, that eight years in the interim I wrote that just in excess just had a bunch of whoever was free that day. What are you up to, Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20? What are you up to, John Stevens from uh, Noiseworks was this, Hot Chili Woman? Was this pre-Idol? Yes, it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so they just had think, random touring fillings. I think so, you yeah. Know, just like, what are you up to? You know, sort of let's just get... Could have called it quits in a dignified way, gone home with your millions <laughs> of dollars, but no, let's get a bunch of half-assed filling wankers could have to... just... Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, did some further Googling. A lot of these people I'd never heard of before. <laughs> surprise. I was like, who's what that guy? But anyway, so JD Fortune was living in his car under a bridge when he sure. applied for and was selected as a contestant on the show. Um... It's all and about then, backstory. That's absolutely, it. and then he won, so it's good. Um, good for the band, because as we know, he's you know the ultimate in excess vocalist, <laughs> and good for him, because he didn't have to live in a car under a bridge anymore. Sure. Um, so that was good. Um, but sort of one of the... Uh, well, not, not really weird, but I guess um, not uh, pre-internet, I guess it was really difficult to you know corroborate any stories that you'd heard. So I think True. for years, the story was that... Um, you know, Michael Hutchins had died of uh, choke wank. Yeah, sort of yeah, uh, autoerotic asphyxiation, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just that was just for years. That's just what, well, what I, the story I was. thought that was. Yeah, yeah. Is and that then, not what happened? No, no. So the coroner, um, like several years after the fact, um, he the yeah the coroner's report was like, no, he just died of suicide, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but just basically had, had hung himself with a belt uh, okay. and he was found and the coroner said, yeah, there's no evidence of, of, okay. of I think he did use the term choke wank in the report, <laughs> I think, but yeah, I, so it was, I heard it was off like a door handle. Correct. Yeah. Which yep. you would think you would have to work fairly hard to choke yourself off a door, to hang yourself off a door handle because you wouldn't be hanging off, you know. You'd have to, you'd have to want it, but I guess he can do it. I guess he proves Absolutely. he can do it if you, if you, if you yeah. heart's in it. So very, it's, it's that's, very, that's very. Rough. It yeah. is a rough story. It's I a very, th- it's I a sad story. It was probably led into it because for years before, if you're young, if you're even younger than you know me, I mean I'm 23, but you know if you're younger than that, you might not know. But <laughs> for years and years before he died, he was a real tabloid fixture. Yeah, like, because he moved to the UK and then he broke. You know, he 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 pinched um. Bloody Bob Geldof's wife away from him. She broke up with him. They had this kind of sordid public tabloid affair. Then he was with um, Kylie and mm-hmm. then back with, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, and a part of all this was that he was supposed to be this, you know, 
sexual dynamo slash perv kind of bedroom sack artist dude. So I think that just fitted so well with the story of him doing the old joke wanks that it was too good to resist. True. And it just stuck with people in the public consciousness. Absolutely, you know? yeah. But, and that yeah. was that's just something that I think even Paulie Yates may have spread the, those rumours herself possibly. Hey, but yeah, certainly, you know, pretty pretty weird. So, but yeah, a lot of people sort of forget that um, now you just go, how did... X die, pump it into Google, uh, and you know you find out the top. But but back in 1997, it was just like yeah, choke wank, <laughs> and then just like well, like, there's no way that I can test that out. The examiner haven't reported on this, so I'm lost. I think. Well, but, I mean, would you want to go down in history if you had to choose between the two as being recorded of dying of suicide in sort of tragic, sordid circumstances, yeah. or going out accidentally having too much fun? With the old... Oh, I'd take the latter, I think. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, if you're a rock star as well and you want to be remembered afterwards. For sure. But, yeah. it, but he does have um, a daughter, um, Heavenly Hirani Tiger Lily. I think it was, a, it was, an, it was an interesting Did choice of names. Did she but... not die? Uh, I, think she, I think she's still alive. Is she? I hope not. Oh, I think she's still I alive. Have to Google I that. know that Paula Yates, one of her daughters, did pass away. Oh, that may be who I'm thinking of, yes. Yeah. No, that was just, they were just it's tragic. A, it's just, very just tragedy sad. all round. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, I'm a big fan of artists that take their classic songs <laughs> yes. and re record them. Um, so, in a manner that detracts from the original <laughs> to the point that you wish the original was never recorded. And in excess. They've done that here because um, I, th- I think before we're going to get to the song in a minute, Tom. But I think that sure. the, the, the song Original Sin, it is a great song. I like this one. Yeah, I'm going to say I like this one. It's pretty good. Um, but in 2010, In Excess decided to re record it um, with Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20 yep. and Cuban female rapper um, DJ Yelitis as a dance single. Mm. Um, and it featured well, DJ Yelitis is often called the JD Fortune of Cuban <laughs> of female Cuban. rapper DJs. So certainly you know, is. Yeah, certainly is. So, so they made a dance single. You say? They did. Yeah. So listen to them <laughs> side by side, and I can confirm the latter is fucking awful. So I would expect nothing just, less. Just avoid that. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah. So I don't know why, but I guess it's sort of okay. So one of In Excess's selling points is obviously Michael Hutchins. He's passed away. They still want to keep the band as a going concern. Yep. They've written a lot of new songs that no one gives a flying fuck about. <laughs> so what are we going to do? We're going to dig into the back catalogue, re-record those. Yeah. Hopefully generate enough interest that people will buy that. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. Just stick with stick with the original. Yeah, just I mean, they'll be getting residuals forever for they those will. songs. Like they'll never be. They never stop playing. I mean, they wrote these songs, so they're getting some some cash off. Yeah, them, and they were in that '80s bracket of this apparently never to be repeated bracket of. Australian artists who were genuinely world famous. Oh, absolutely. Like, their name was not a joke. They were massive. Yeah, definitely. And not only were they massive in a sort of bloated, you know, Metallica right now sort of way, <laughs> they were also young and hot and talented and kind of underground in a sort of Metallica, you know, and justice for all type of way. Like, you know, they True. were, when they were out, they, they got huge in America by being played on college radio. Yep. They're, they're, they couldn't get in the right rooms with the big record labels, but they got a really good guy and he got them played on college radio. So they came up as a young, hot, 
you know, the, the band that the kids were into, and they got massive just from that. Yeah. You know, and they'll never, they'll be played in films forever, you know? For sure. Um, and I think particularly this song, and this TV is... TV commercials and car ads and all that bollocks, you know? Why why, why get DJ Yolitas involved? She's got better shit to do. She does have better things to do, and I've got <laughs> Actually, better things to do. Actually, she probably doesn't, than... but you know, let's say that she <laughs> <True>. does. <laughs> true, true. Um, so, onto the song itself, Tom. I think I've threatened to... to <laughs> you've mentioned how good it is, but this has a saxophone solo. Oh, okay. and and I, I love that in excess sax. Any any eighty song with a saxophone solo for me is a winner. <laughs> um, has that a very catchy uh, piano riff? I've done oh, it no yeah. justice there, but that's um, and it's very catchy. I think the song is quite catchy, and also it features uh, guest vocals, uh, Daryl Hall from Hall and Oates. No shit, oh, yep. I did not know. He's that. on the chorus. For this, with Michael Hutchins, could have been on there with JD Fortune, but you know, hey, we don't know that unfortunately Hutch only lived. But yeah, Daryl Hall involved in this, and members of Hall and Oates, they don't get involved in something if it's bad. <laughs> they only do things that they're good. Um, Man Eater, I rest my case. That's one of the finest songs in the history of recorded music, I think. Um, and I will fight anyone that says otherwise. So I now cannot distinguish my vision of Hall Notes from the vision of Hall Notes embodied in the Yacht Rock YouTube series where they're, yeah. they're the bad boys who end every conversation by flicking people on the dick before they walk Absolutely. They're the bad boys of the Yacht Rock scene. So in my head now, they're just bad boys instead of the weird sort of bemulleted kind of dads that they look like if you watch a video of them now. I think they are the bad boys of Yacht Rock. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They definitely in, those, are. in the Yacht Rock period, you could be a bemulleted dad figure with a comfortable cardigan yeah. and, you know, still look... Definitely. Yeah, still so, be the tough guy. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, as I mentioned, saxophone solo, great piano riff, Daryl Hall from Hall & Oates, <laughs> video clip, um, filmed in Japan and... <laughs> There's a lot of fucking trench coats and they're riding motorcycles and that oh, shit very... never goes out of style. Oh, black rain it up, baby. Absolutely. You can wear a leather trench coat on a motorcycle in 85, <laughs> in 2005, today. You can do oh, it in 15 great. years. You can do it anytime. And that is, uh, that is a look. I think it's, it's one of my... My favourite looks actually a wetsuit with a tuxedo jacket <laughs> over the top. But... This is the second best look, I think. Just a leather trench coat on a motorcycle. Um, That's a great look. Pretty I'm going to have to look that up. Pretty good. Definitely watch the video. I recommend that. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, no one's tried to... Has anyone tried to... Has any Twitter idiot tried to cancel this song yet? Because <laughs> they say the lyrics, dream on, black I was going to bring that up. This... Uh, Go, get in there. I think that, that chorus is gives this song... Because it's a nice song, but it's not a particularly... For a song called Original Sin, like, it's not a particularly sort of, you know, edgy sounding song. No. The only slightly controversial thing in that is the chorus, the dream on white boy, dream on black girl, um, given that it's called Original Sin. Yep. But apparently that was the producer, Niall Rogers' idea. Mm. And like in the original lyrics when they were recording it, it just said dream on white boy, dream on white girl, I guess just for passing. Yep. And, but yeah, he suggested that it would sound, you know, a bit more edgy and interesting if you did that. And that version got banned off several American radio stations, 
which is, again, the kind of thing that I was talking about before. Like, you know, it's the kind of thing that makes stuff more interesting for the kind of people who are actually buying music like this, e.g. 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds at college and shit. But, yeah, I think without that bit, the lyrics, like a lot of his stuff, and I hate to say it because I do like In Excess, but a lot of his lyrics are kind of a bit vague and uninspiring. Mm. Not, not bland, necessarily, but just kind of sort of forgettable. I, I think yep. you would struggle to find someone who can remember a lot of... Them, which is a bit of a shame because it might be one of the things that keeps him from attaining your true rock god status of someone like Jim Morrison, you know, that his lyrics mm. just weren't terrible enough, you know, <laughs> they're just kind of acceptably okay rather than being batshit awful yeah. in a way that, you know, because they both died in sort of tragic circumstances, you For know, sure. they were both, you know, by all accounts kind of self-indulgent wankers who were yep. a bit too fond of looking in the hall of fucking mirrors. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I think there's uh, a certain era where Michael Hutchins and Jim Morrison look a little bit similar. Oh, totally, totally. I, I mean, similar hairstyle. I think. Uh, yeah. They, they look. They look. The, they're the same person. They are both way <laughs> too fond of leather pants. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'll have to tell you the Chuck Klosterman leather pants theory one time. Have you heard that? No. Uh, he has a theory which is from watching lots of rock stars going through, you know, through the history of rock. Is the leather pants theory is that. Well, imagine if you, Ben, started... Yep. If you went, if you came home tomorrow, you went down the shops and came home and just wearing a pair of leather pants. So leather pants imagine yeah. how much shit your lovely wife would give you. Why are you like, wearing leather and, pants? And then every, if you went to any social occasion wearing them, imagine if you went to Chogfest wearing a pair of leather pants, just didn't say anything and just showed up wearing them. You know, your <laughs> friends would never let you hear the end of it. Therefore, if a rock star gets to the point where they're publicly often wearing leather pants. What that tells you is that they no longer have anyone around them who mm. is either willing to tell them, that, willing to be honest with them, or they just don't have any real friends around them. They're just surrounded by entourage, yes-men, douchebags. I think it's a good thing. So, yeah, I and they, they both hit the leather pants thing at, in their 20s, you know, the poor fuckers. Like, yeah, a lot of, yeah, yeah, definitely. No, a lot of leather pants. And that's, but that's he was a, great, a, go- he was a gorgeous theory. man. Even when you, look, when you look back at their early stuff, it's very punky, like their early pub yep. sort of stuff, their first few albums, and he just looks like a sort of skinny Melbourne hipster dude, but he's very, very good looking. He yep. was a, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of these bands sort of started out in that sort of pub rock sort of oh, scene. Oh, the Aussie ones, sure. And yeah. some of them How else stuck would you with that lane. In Australia, yeah. Um, if you're sort of like a choir boys yeah, type or situation. Even like or like a Cool like C a, or a yeah. UMI and stuff, yeah. they were never going to get flashy enough to be world famous they just like that sleazy Aussie pub stuff you know but then these guys sort of went in a slightly more new wavy pop direction great songs all good Um, for sure just saxophone sax it up baby and one other thing I'd like to raise really quickly is Gary Gary Beers the best (laughs) name in music is that is there a better name in music than Gary Gary Beers and I think this one Gary's with one R and the second Gary's with two R's. Um, if that, I cannot believe that has not become shorthand for, you know, getting drunk in Australia by now. Absolutely. What's your name? Go for Gary, Gary Beers? That's no, Gary Gary Beers. What so, have you on Sunday? Oh, just some Gary Gary. For yeah. sure. I think let's get that started, Tom. I think that, that really works for me. So I'm on the Gary Gary's. 
If that doesn't take <laughs> off, jeez, I don't know. Hopefully sure. it does. Right. Maybe we should move on to February. Yeah. I think so. Next oh, sorry, on. that was half of February. Okay, Re- so we're halfway through February. What just, we um, next? just real quick though, um, oh, in excess five point five million oh, yeah. uh, Spotify monthly listeners. Five and a half million. Oh, That's good. Band. Yeah, man. people still loving it. Um, JD Fortune three hundred and seventy nine. <laughs> Thousand or just no three three hundred and seventy nine. Tough times for JD, but that is destined to rise now. I think people will listen to this podcast and they will go to Spotify. They'll check out some of JD's work, and we can. My aim is to get that into triple figures by the end of the year. As long as he doesn't end up under a bridge again, of course, absolutely, absolutely. And don't want to end up like Rob Thomas. You do not at all. Absolutely not. How much would you pay for this on Discogs? Yeah. Like just oh, a, I think a single, a rec- seven-inch single. We're oh, in eighty-four. Like so, yeah, so I reckon we're in eighty-four. So, oh, so I assume this is just you I jump onto Discogs, you pick yourself up a seven-inch single. Big of then, but still, I reckon they I'd, would have made a billion of these. Probably, yeah, so. I'd go five bucks. Eighty-two cents. Oh, okay. That is a bargain. Wow, they That's did make the bargain. a bargain. I suppose if you, you can't sell 70 million albums without pressing the living shit oh, out of exactly the Oh, exactly right. Can. Exactly. So 82 cents, that's the cheapest though. Oh, yeah. um, but anyway, I think... Uh, that's that's a pretty good do, price. Do you know which album this is from? Um, no. Oh, oops, <laughs> sorry. It's pre-Kick. I know that. It's, it's, yeah, it the is. one before Kick, I guess, is the one. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, that's that's a that's that's all right. That's, Sorry, rem- that's remiss of me for not sort of looking uh, at that. This is actually the first single from the band's fourth album, "The Swing." Yeah, but that goes to show, like, it shows you that they came up in pubs and stuff because it's friggin' 1984. They're just taking off, really. Album I mean, they're, they're big, this, but they're, yeah, yeah, they've absolutely. already done three albums. You know, like yeah, I mean, yeah. this is pre. Yeah, you're right. And they're, their they're older stuff hits. sounds like some of it sounds like Lou Reed, some of it sounds punk. Like it doesn't. It took them a while to get to this kind of the yep. sort of fancy. Absolutely. wave influenced sax solo shit that they got up to later. Um, I'd like to say we're going to get to talk about them again at some stage, Tom, but this was their first and only Australian number one. Oh, really? So we won't get to talk any more in excess later on, unfortunately. So if you've got anything more to say about them, say it right now. They must have been in the charts all the time. I guess they didn't hit number one. Had a lot of top ten hits, and then they had a lot of international number one. So like Never never Tear Us Apart um, was huge, obviously, overseas. But yeah, didn't make it to number one in Australia. So unfortunately. But yeah, but (laughs) I think they had more hits overseas than they did here. But that's probably the same with their 70 million album sales. I probably mm. sold most of those internationale. So there we go. Um, so that was for two weeks. Moving on after that, um, 13th of February, Pat Benatar, Love is a Battlefield for five <laughs> weeks. Pat Benatar, more like Pat Bonatar. Am I right, Tom? <laughs> I am I. Yes, I don't know. Sure. Sure. I can't remember. What am she I looks right? Like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's probably offensive to people. I don't know. All I'm I can sure. remember from the video of this is that she appears to be doing that eighties thing of being someone in their late twenties trying to look like they're fifteen, and their parents are hassling them. There's a lot of hassle. Know. She was getting hassled out absolutely <laughs> um, by the parents. Probably there was a big dance sequence in in the video clip like a bit of a dance yeah number. it was very mad like max. Choreographed, i remember that like it was pre- all sort of new wave mad max yep feathers in your hairband in the future spikes yeah. and so forth absolutely so i guess um my first question is love a battlefield <laughs> is you know 
love, which is effectively, you know, being in a relationship with someone, going over to, you know, spending your weekends together or your free time together, going to Ikea to get a a Billy bookcase, you want to get the one in the walnut, the wife wants to get, you know, like that that yellow one and you're thinking about how, you know, the resale value won't be enough and she's just like after something bright and you're going, oh, come fuck. So you go home without a bookcase and the books just pile up in the corner. That's effectively love. (laughs) Is that the same as fighting the Taliban in Afghanistan? I probably not the Taliban, but it might have a certain resemblance to sitting in a muddy trench in the fields of France for six months, yep. getting you know rats nibbling on yeah, you okay. when you try to sleep. So, so love <laughs> is effectively like old school World War One. <laughs> yes, trench warfare. Battlefield. Trench warfare, mm. okay, but not mm. like modern warfare, which is you sort of you're sending up drones. Also, I think when she's talking about love, she's really talking about hooking up, isn't she? Like yeah, yeah, I think so. She's not. She's not talking about long term commitments, yeah. as the video indicates. She's trying to recreate being a teenager whose parents just don't understand. Man, they don't. Yeah, this was the sure. same era as uh, what? Fucking what's the Madonna one where she's being a teenager as well? Oh, Papa don't preach. Papa don't this, preach. this kind of era yeah. of pretending that like you're still a teenager. And, I'm 47 you know. and I'm still pretending to be 12. <laughs> no, my dad' parents don't understand me. They don't, my dad doesn't understand me. <laughs> but what do you think? Do you reckon love is compared to a better film? Oh, look, I think it's a bit of a stretch. I think if anything, Pat Benatar's making light of our troops. She's um, <laughs> it, this is offensive to the armed forces. How about uh, this? Uh, what do you reckon? As a change of title, would shitty nightclub is a battlefield? Yeah, I think that sort of works. <laughs> the, the saloon in Launceston at 2am uh, on a Wednesday <laughs> is a battlefield. Snuck in underage to the saloon on a uni night. Yep. You've got $8 for drinks <laughs> for the whole night. Yep. It's dollar beers. Yep, you get eight Is beers. a battlefield? It is. A, <laughs> is <laughs> trying to get to the toilets is a, is a battlefield. You know what the saloon is a battlefield? That decision as to whether to <laughs> save four of that $8 to get a taxi home <laughs> or walk for an hour and a half queue outside the Savlaki van is yeah, a battlefield I think that's probably right so I think that's probably a more apt title perhaps that's what she was going for but Love is a Battlefield is more succinct and certainly catchy it is um, sure definitely so um, one thing about Pat that you might not know Tom is that she's a huge Led Zeppelin fan Sure. Um, which you know is understandable. They're a big band. They had a lot of hits, um, and she, she really loves them. Yeah. And she often closes her shows with a um, the reggae version of "Stairway to Heaven." Uh, now that sh- sounds like the fucking worst thing I can imagine <laughs> in my life. Are we going to have to pull out the cancelled sticker again? Yeah. I, well, we might have to cancel it because yeah, I think it's offensive to to, to Rastafari. It's only but, February, and we've already cancelled yeah. two people. One of them's black. For but out, I might right? have to cancel myself here, Tom. Because um, <laughs> I think reggaeifying, is that a word? Non reggae songs is the worst music imaginable. Mm, it's up there, isn't it? I think taking a non reggae, like, you, yeah. you, can you recall um, the Guns N' Roses <laughs> cover of Knocking on Heaven's Door? Yes. Do you remember this song? Which was already. Pushing knock, it. Knock, knocking yep. And then in the middle of that song when they do it live, Axel Rose would go. <laughs> Give me some reggae! Oh my god! Can you remember that? (laughs) Well, we'll watch once we finish recording this time. We'll watch that. Um, It's just Axel saying, "Axel was cancelled." Give me some reggae! I think he was probably already cancelled. Yeah, and for for Axel fans out there, or just give me some reggae fans out there, (laughs) someone's taken that "Give me some reggae." Um, that Axel does live, and they've looped it into an eight-hour video on YouTube, so you can listen to 
give me some reggae for eight straight hours <laughs> just if you him want. Saying that. Yeah, for just oh. him going, give me some reggae, and then Guns N' Roses does ten seconds of reggae, and then that does. So if you're going out for the night and you <laughs> fucking hate your neighbours, open the window, crank that as loud as you can, and just have eight hours of give me some reggae, um, and that that'll be that's a bit of fun for everyone. Hey Ben, what did the Rastafarians say when the weed ran out? I don't know. Who put this fucking music on? <laughs> <laughs> that was what he said. Indeed, indeed. So, <laughs> I think, uh, I think a Pat Benatar cover of "Stairway to Heaven" in a reggae style could only be made worse if Axl Rose did show up and before sure. just went, "Give me some reggae." At that point, you'd be hoping for the battlefield. You'd be yeah. hoping for some Scud missiles to come over the horizon. Exactly. So, um, song-wise, yeah, this one's fine. I'm okay with this. I don't. I, I quite like it. I think I'm a bit more of a fan of um, Pat's earlier work, "All Fired Up." Ah, yes. That one. That one's punchy and hit me with your best shot as well. There's some other other hits as well. Hit me with your best shot. It's uh, mm. it's fantastic. But um, yeah, this one's all right. Holds up for me. I think it's better than um. Some of the shit that, we, that was in the list last last time, so not <laughs> well, as good as original sin. Out of the two songs, yeah. I, yeah. I would put this in the category of you know the eighties being the last pre-irony decade, which I talked about <laughs> with before with your old um, yeah. uh, friggin' total eclipse of the heart and mm-hmm. meatloaf and so forth, where the just after four decades of writing pop songs about love, just the metaphors have just gotten completely out of hand here. Yeah. Like you look at all of her things, like. This love is a battlefield. It's like being literally shot in the face. Uh, it's like being set on fire. It's like being in a barrel of gunpowder while being set on a fire. It's like charging into no man's land with being mowed down by machine guns, you know. Or conversely, in the glam metal era, you know, which was going on sort of concurrently. Certainly. This, it was something that you were supposed to do exclusively with exclusively with strippers like 17 times a night, eight days a week, while off your face on coke and heroin. Yep. You know, I mean, it was a big ask for your average teenager to keep up with this shit, you know. I mean, talk about body image issues. What about, oh, you know, Stacey down the street and I patched the other night, but didn't feel like the trenches of World War Two, you know. <laughs> so obviously I'm just making the whole thing up in my Absolutely. head. Absolutely. We can't you know? be in love because there wasn't that. Yeah, yeah like, like lyrics highlight. Just, you know, you're begging me to go, then making me stay. Why do you hurt me so bad? Or am I the best thing you've had, but I'm trapped by your love and I'm chained to your side? Mm. I mean, you couldn't just be pretty into someone, could you? You had to be begging, hurting so bad, the literal best thing they've ever had trapped by their love and physically chained to them you yeah. know it's a lot to ask and that's not even getting into the German machine gunners who are you know <laughs> pillbox on the other side trying to mow you down as you run towards Gary from absolutely chained to my side yeah it's um for sure it's it's yeah I don't know is that that is that legal <laughs> I don't know I assume it's I'm all not sure how that would help you on consensual. the battlefield either no yeah. I don't really know it certainly wouldn't help if you were chained to <laughs> someone I don't think that would help at all on any <laughs> battlefield whatsoever but you know Pat knows better than I do but that's that's, all <laughs> that's I say. true that's true definitely um so just quickly. So Benatar's not her. Her actual her name is Patricia May. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm going to butcher this. Andrzejewski. So I think oh, she's yeah. of Polish descent, 
Um, so I'm not sure whether Benatar is like a married name or like a stage name. If it's a stage name, it's a it's a very odd choice. It is, as is indeed her first name, yeah, which Pat. to me sounds like an irretrievable grandma name. Yeah. Like Pat. Patricia. I'm down. There, there Patricia is Benatar. nothing sexy about Pat at all. Yeah. Patricia, maybe? Or just call yourself Benatar. Benatar. That's probably what they do now. Absolutely. Know, just, just a one name. Yeah, yeah. I can understand not wanting to maybe go with Andrzejowski or whatever. Yeah, I, it's, Pat still like yeah. So I'm not quite sure whether she got married and that became her name, but um, <laughs> my, I couldn't find out. I found out she married another guy. So she's either been married a few times and one of her husband's last names was Benatar, or she just went, oh, my actual last name's not going to cut it. So how about hey, props Benatar? to her for being a rock rock star with the name Pat? Absolutely, she's what? done well for sure. <laughs> she still has uh, three mil. A month on the Spotify, so wow. people are still three million. So that's a lot. It's people... not that far away from in excess. Like clearly, no. she's got fans. Does have a lot of fans, and um, you can pick this up for forty-one cents on oh, Discogs. Okay. Half the price of uh, Original Sin, and it's probably half as good to be honest. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's that's not. A fair price. I reckon some of her others were better than that. It's not no doubt. No doubt. Um, Anything else with this one, Tom? Nah, no. Fair enough. Let's get into Fair enough. halfway into March. Uh, cool. So that was that was five weeks of power for that one. Um, so that got up to 19th of March. Um, Cindy Lauper, girls just want to have fun. Now, Tom, I think Cindy's really hit the nail on the head with this one. <laughs> girls do just want to have fun. Um, look, all the all the females, any girl I've ever met, they, they don't really care about education, their career, social responsibility, parenting, uh, the environment, humanitarian causes, Black Lives Matter, COVID-19. They don't care about any of that stuff. <laughs> they just want to have fun. Is that your experience as well? Well, they are very fun-loving. I can't argue with that. Absolutely. They don't care about anything. They've, no. got, they've got not a care in the world. Nothing. Say, it's kind of hard to tell. Like, Cindy, I like Cindy Lauper. She's a smart chick. Mm. Yep. I... Assume that there was an angle to this, but I've always kind of wondered, like, whether it's kind of sneakily empowering, yep, or it's kind of, it's sort of, the, it's sort of the deliberate opposite to empowering. Whether she's sort of saying, "Hey, we reserve the right to be shallow bitches sometimes as well." You know, we don't have to just, you know, fight for our rights all the time. Of we can course, also yeah. just go and party on the weekend, like lay office the man but I honestly don't know like I don't know whether it's on what level she's working at here but, yep. it, but it works I mean the fact that it still gets played as a kind of fun time anthem oh, by women yes. like that just goes to show that it's 35 you know, it's got years leaves. later people yeah, are totally. still playing this yeah so it's written and by it's catchy as yeah, shit too is. like it is the chorus certainly so it was written by a dude um, Robert Hazard and he I think had written it is, is sort of like a bit of a Oh, girls just want to have fun ah, thing. And I think, yes. and I, but I think Cindy Lauper has said, "Well, I'm going to make this my own and make it sort of a Reclaimed no. We're going to do what we want to yeah. do. Girls yeah. just want to have fun, but we can all yeah, exactly. It's effectively if we want to be serious, we can, but we just want to have fun too. We can do whatever we yeah. want to do. I mean, speaking of an irony-free decade, she seemed to be sort of treading the line of a kind of ironic persona a little bit. Sure, absolutely. Something like the B-52s or something. Like her whole look and her whole style was a kind of like yep. This, it wasn't supposed to be taken literally, I don't think. No, I think, no. Or not completely dead straight anyway, you know. For sure, for sure, absolutely. And because um, after this she did um, one of my favourites from her, um, The Goonies Are Good Enough For You <laughs> from the hit film The Goonies. Um, 
didn't take herself too seriously there, I don't think. Um, if anyone under the age of a thousand is listening, this probably don't know what the Goonies is. But um, and if you didn't watch it when you were young, don't bother watching it now. It's not aged well. Yeah, it goes on a list of Generation X touchstones that doesn't hold up. Yeah, if you watched this when you were a kid, you'd love it. I I don't think I've seen it since about 1986, um, and I'm not going to revisit it because yeah, some I think as you said, someone I know, apart from you, Tom, has also said, oh yeah, watch rewatch the Goonies, garbage. So yeah, don't. I do kept it. trying to get people to watch Heather's. They you do not like it if you're under a certain age that's not Heather's is uh, Christian Slater is his finest I love it I love it but I watched it at a formative age and clearly you know know. definitely so Cindy so obviously she had um, this song True Colours time after time a lot of hits and then not as many hits after that but she's sort of remained in music but I think She's, she's in a relationship, um, or her husband is an actor. So I think what, what she's sort of, she's done that thing where it's like, she's quite famous, she's doing her music thing, she's quite successful, while he probably has to take a bit of a step back to look after the kids, etc. And then yep. I, get, I guess what's happened is Cindy has said, well, look, you know, I'm going to take a bit of a step back um, and let you pursue your dream of becoming an actor, which he did. And um, he did some great stuff. Um, the Cosby Mysteries... <laughs> Um, which you probably want to distance yourself was from. Was she married to Bill Cosby? No, she wasn't. Fortunately, <laughs> no. Sorry, her husband's was... name is um, David Thornton. Um, oh, okay. So so he's done a lot of great work. Um, he was in the Cosby Mysteries and he was also one of the bad guys in Home Alone 3. Mm. So um, Maybe she met him on the set of Goonies. It sounds like he was about that level of... Acting true, exactly. But she, fortunately, she, she stepped away. She I forgot there was a well, well, yeah. Well, Cindy didn't. She knew that, and she said, "Look, I'm going to take, I'm take it back. Forget seat. that fucking kid. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> Write a note for yourself. Fuck's sake. Absolutely. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, I just no, I completely it's, forgot they got up to three. Yeah, they got up to three. They got there's a, there's several more after that. It's about oh, five. Jesus. Yeah. But um, so Home Alone three. I think Cindy said, "Look, I'm going to take a step back from music. I want you to pursue your goals, your dreams. Do mm-hmm. that." Home Alone 3, so he's obviously in number two, you know, like Joe Pesci, yep. Daniel Stern, they're, they're the bad guys. So sure. they're out for number three, Macaulay Culkin's out, basically <laughs> the whole cast is out, they've replaced it. He, so, um, yeah, her husband, yep, Cindy Lauper's husband, playing the role of one of the bad guys. Um, if you've not seen Home Alone 3... Um, Basically, so he's one of the... There's four bad guys in this one, not just two, four. Sure. Um, they're, the they're internationally wanted spies. They're working for a North Korean terrorist organisation. Um, and they stole a $10 million <laughs> missile cloaking microchip. Um, so this all... Jeez, this is getting quite elaborate. It is, absolutely. It sounds so anyway, like a touch of the crocodile and D2 syndrome. Certainly, Let's certainly. Let's just make it more and more complicated and less fun. Yeah, so they hid, hid the chip in like a car or something and then it ends up with the kid and then they have to try and get it back. So that's the premise of Home Alone 3. So I'm glad that Cindy took a step back from music, as I said, so that she could let her husband you know, focus I'm on I'm assuming she did some stuff on the soundtrack. I don't know whether she did, yeah, which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, he, he's great. So you look at his IMDb, a lot of good stuff on there. Home Alone 3, The Cosby Mysteries, um, which he probably wants to distance himself from. But anyway, so he's a great actor and I'm glad that they've been able to balance their relationship in such a way that both of them can do great work. Um, but subsequent to that, Cindy, she did a reality TV show. Oh. So yeah, I think a lot of a lot of celebrities get involved in the reality Was TV. Was this recent or... 
It's in in it the last be. decade. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I'm not sure of the exact year, but no, yeah. So sense. she certainly, I think it was sort of about that time and where. What was the premise of this? Um, sorry, 2013. So it was oh, called yeah, Cindy Lauper Still So Unusual because I think her <laughs> debut album is called So Unusual sure. or something along those lines. So it's just following Cindy 2013, see what she's up to. Follow, mm. Obviously, there's probably a, a lot of following her husband's acting career as well, <laughs> Home Alone 5 or 6 or whatever the hell he's up to. Um, so yeah, it's it's if you've not seen the show, a lot of people haven't, but it just follows her around. I'll just I'll just quickly read out Tom just one of the episodes sure. just to give the listeners a flavour of what you might get. So, so Cindy uh, re-records a song for an upcoming movie. That's a red flag because we sure. know you, you never re-record your own <laughs> songs. We've learned about that with the original Symphony in Excess. I'm assuming the movie was Home Alone Seven. It was Home Alone Seven. A husband's Home involved. Alone meets the Goonies. Absolutely, it's a crossover that if they <laughs> sure. haven't done, they should yep. do that. Um, yeah, so she re-records a song for an upcoming movie. Um, she goes to a rock psychic. <laughs> okay. Um, sure. Don't know what that is exactly, but I gather a, Good a psychic for that's, that's what, what that it is. is. Um, and her sister comes over. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's, um, sounds like a good... Sounds like every bit as exciting as your average... Absolutely Rock of Love slash Kardashian mysteries. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's good. So (laughs) that's um, that's a reality TV show where it just sounds like just a bit of fun. What's Cindy up to? What's she doing? What's her husband up to? What's her kid up to? Why not? Every other 80s musician did. Yeah, and Cindy Lauper, she also... (laughs) She was a guest star on the little scene and little even acknowledged... Uh, live action Super Mario Brothers show. Oh my god! So I eight, didn't know there was even. Yeah, so in the eighties there was a light. There was it was a, a, oh like a half an hour live action uh, Super Mario Brothers was it show. Variety by any chance? I don't know Too what happened on variety. it. Um, but basically it was half animation, so a bit of a anim- <laughs> animated bit, and then a live action. So Cindy Lauper showed up on that. To hang out with like Luigi and Mario and then okay. they did some shit. So I don't think anyone right. watched it because it sounds awful. <laughs> um, probably maybe about... she, I'll give her the credit. I might say maybe she just thought that was amusingly ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no doubt. Um, I don't know whether she performed any of the songs on there because the theme song was called Do the Mario and there was also the plumber rap. Well, so... Or maybe she just liked Super Mario Brothers. I mean, she did. She was in the, you know soundtrack of the movie yeah exactly she, you know just had a Nintendo at home and really just loved it. it just like loved it going down pipes and eating mushrooms you know who <laughs> doesn't who doesn't indeed um, so that's that the song itself yeah it's pretty catchy as you said yeah. people love it what do you got for me in that you got um, some lyrical highlights lyrics. Yeah, well, I mean, again, coming back to this thing, like, it's it's your, you know, your person in their 20s being a teenager again, like, basically her parents are all up on her shit complaining that she's coming home at 6am, yep. but she repeatedly says that girls want to have fun, quote, when the working day's done. Okay. So I'm saying that's a good work ethic that today's so-called millennials could learn a lesson from, you know? Like <laughs> Absolutely right. Who, a housemate who doesn't have a job and hasn't learned how to clean anything properly, yep. you know? For at sure. least Cindy just got home from double shift at Hungry Jack's before she hits the pre-mixed bourbon cokes, you know? Exactly like, right. I mean, Girls I'm just want to have fun when the working day is done, yeah, and that, that's the yeah. important part. She's worked, she's worked hard, that's right. now she wants to have fun. You've been folding shirts at Target on a 10-hour shift, you know, and it's exactly. time for some fucking new DLs, you know? <laughs> it is. Maybe hit up the saloon. I hear it's Absolutely. dollar beers. <laughs> dollar beers, mate. Get, get some watermelon new DLs. They <laughs> are 17-year-old. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, no, it's it's a great I think yeah, I think this one's pretty good. Holds up, holds up well. Not all the songs from this era do hold up. So Cindy no. Lauper's got um, Spotify 9.7 million listeners. <laughs> She's almost hitting 10 mil wow. a month. Wow. So That's people, more than in excess. Jeez. It is. People love Cindy Lauper. I mean, I wouldn't say she's got loads of hits, but the ones that she does have, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, True Colors, Time After Time, and um, Goonies Are You Good Enough. Um, sure. And she's still kicking are, around. People will listen to those a lot. Yeah, exactly. Still kicking around. People would have seen the reality show. They would have said, I'm going to oh. listen to her on Spotify. They would have seen Home Alone 3 and went, I wonder what that criminal's wife is on oh, real life it's Cindy Lauper <laughs> let's listen to her song so also yeah. another 80s trick that people have seemed to have forgotten recently but if you want to get residuals for the rest of your life yep you write a catchy song but give the catchy song a very obvious title about a very simple subject and mm-hmm. the chorus repeats the title such as girls just want to have fun yep. then for the rest of time when unimaginative dickheads make movies or program the music to go in the background of current affairs TV shows. Yeah. And it's like, well, what's this story about? Oh, it's like girls, what are they doing? Oh, having fun. Or <laughs> exactly. put girls want to have fun. There's another fucking hundred grand in your pocket, yeah, baby. Exactly. Shing. Exactly. If you write a song called Cars Are Quick, then, you know, every time... Zack Snyder makes a movie there's a car oh, chase he's going to yeah. play that song Absolutely you're going to make right. money Absolutely. You know? so good on Robert Hazard he's written the song he's given it to Cindy Lauper she's turned it into a hit he's just collecting cash for the rest of his life so sure. good on that guy also a cool name Robert Hazard yeah I assume it's um, yeah fuck it's a really good name definitely good uh, friends with Richard Marks I'm guessing <laughs> absolutely it's probably I hope it's a I hope it's not a stage name. I hope it's his actual name, but who knows. Um, so, yeah, that was number one for two weeks. After that, uh, we're moving into April now, 2nd of April for five weeks. Uh, Nina, 99 Red Balloons. Oh, okay. And what is it, you think, Tom, that makes this song so popular? Is it the quantity or colour of the balloons? I, I... Or neither? You know... I'd have to say both. Surely. Yeah, you know that is. I know that's a joke, but I honestly, I'm struggling with this one. I never really got why this was so huge, but you know, I was six years old at the time, so you know, yeah. I wasn't forming any complicated theories. But absolutely, yeah, I'm interested whether they sort of ran through like a series of different quantities <laughs> and colours before they arrived at ninety nine. <laughs> Red balloons, is it like 46 orange? No, no, no. 22 yellow balloons. It's like, no. And then they just kept going. Enormous purple dirigible. No. A lot of studio time just going through those. But, um,. Of course I jest because this song, um, the it was actually, so there's an English version, which is 99 Red Balloons, and then there's obviously the German version, which yes. is 99 Luftballons, which doesn't translate to 99 Red Balloons. Luftballon just means a, air, a balloon. Oh, okay. It's just, yeah. So effectively, when they made the English version, they're like, Luftballons, we need an... We need an extra syllable in there because balloon is not long, so they made it red balloons, 99 red balloons. It was a standby on classic rock radio when I was growing up, yep. and it was. I remember you'd hear it start, and it does have that great catchy start that ding 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 does, ding, yeah. ding. It does, ding, yeah. Ding, before it actually gets to the silly stuff about balloons, and it was always a mystery as to, it was a flip of the coin whether you're going to hear the English version or the German version. True. They just seemed to play them 
in you know because the catchiness has nothing to do with the lyrics, so they just play you know whichever one. I absolutely, guess, like, you know. absolutely. So it's good for uh, a lazy radio DJ because you can just play the same song effectively. Yeah, you don't need to check which different. side of the record you're putting down because it's you know exactly. <laughs> so the um, the English version mm-hmm. was a, a number one hit in England. Yeah, but in Australia, the number one hit was the German one. No shit. Yeah, absolutely. See, that's what I mean. Like, catchiness crosses lyrical boundaries. Exactly. I think it just shows that Australia were were sophisticated. uh, Snow was later to demonstrate (laughs) with this. Exactly. A language that no one else spoke. No. And yet, you know, he made himself understood. He did, he did. But we're a sophisticated audience (laughs) in Australia. We're, you know, multilingual. (laughs) We we like all those things. So I think that we sort of... We rejected... We did. We rejected the English language and just went German (laughs) is where it's at. So, um... For sure, but uh, yeah, the song itself, it's sort of like an anti-war song, actually. I pro- I've never that, really... Because yeah. what happened was that when they translated the lyrics, the English version, they just said, oh, let's just make whatever lyrics sound fine. But the original German one's sort of like a bit of an anti-war. It's got a touch type. of the Cold War yeah, about it, does. it. Well, I think that was the original premise. But yeah, I mean, exactly. like, it doesn't doesn't really literally say anything about it, you know, like... Yep. Yeah, yeah. so the concept is uh, some kids let some balloons off and then people see them on a radar and they think they're being invaded or oh, something like that. So okay. it's sort of like the juxtaposition of like the fun of kids playing with balloons and then the seriousness that someone might take that. So yeah, very but, much but a, in the a song, Cold War. There's no actual nuclear bombs no, going no. off. It's like a, you know, exactly. a menacing image. Sort exactly. Of. Yeah, okay. So that's sort of the German version. Then I think by the time they made the English one, it was just about... Just fucking around with it some balloons. It barely makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It mentions the troops and it says something about war, but it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't really speak, you know. So I think Nina actually, um, yeah, years later came out and said, "Yeah, the English one. It was a bit of a mistake. We didn't. The translation wasn't right. We probably shouldn't have done it. But you know, because it was a hit in Germany, we were under pressure to sort of come and." Yeah, sort of make a, a new version of that. So they did that. And then ironically, in America as well, as well as Australia, in both of those places, um, yeah, the number one hit was the German one. So there you go. But um, interestingly, there hasn't been a lot of foreign language number ones oh, over the years. So this was one of the first ones, um, but some of the other hits, um, I'll just run through a couple well, of Well, there's them. Lionel Richie's uh, unique <laughs> African interpretation of some shitty thought up while he was half asleep. Certainly, all night long, yeah. <laughs> half of that's in, in made-up African, so yeah, that counts, definitely. Um, but also, uh, Rock Me Amadeus by Falco. Sure. Um, La Bamba, from the hit oh, yeah. film yep. La Bamba. Yep. Um, Enigma. Sadness Part 1, if you can recall sure, that. Oh, I guess that counts. Yeah. <laughs> if you count, ooh, where, where, it was something in another language. And then like the Macarena, and then Gangnam ooh, Style. Yeah. And then recently... God, um, that's a big gap though. That's a big is, gap yeah. between the Macarena and Gangnam Style. That's like yep. 20 years. Yeah. Despacito, that's a more <laughs> recent one. And then um, BTS, the Korean boy band sensation, oh, I okay. think. Yeah. So I think in the last couple of years have been some more um, but since yeah, I This was a different world back then. This had to appeal to a large mainstream audience without speaking their language. Exactly. And in Australia... If you don't know this, if you're listening to this in another country, we're mostly, we're about as multilingual as America, e.g. not. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no one here speaks German. No, no, no. But but we did reject the English version and and say we like like this German one better. So that's good. Equally catchy. 
Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, yeah, this one's this one's not bad. I think this is um, I, I not I still think so far going through. I'm still probably uh, in excess original sin. It's probably <laughs> probably the best one. I was sorry, sorry. But anyway, so there we go. So that's that. Um, uh, uh, Nina's got 3.7... Oh, sorry, you've got something no, else, Tom. Right. 3.7 million. But she's massive in Germany. I was going to say, she's huge in clearly Germany. she must be more popular than... She yeah, she's, she's sold something like 25 million albums. Uh, okay. I think mostly in Germany. So huge in Germany. That's Still cool. pumping it out. So I think... Very much one hit wonder territory in Australia mm. and the US, but but I think in her homeland oh, she's, she's got a lot more hits. So it's good to know that she's still still rocking hard, pumping out the hits. And you can pick one of these up for sixty four cents off yeah. Discogs. So that's sort of I right. probably printed less of them. Absolutely, for sure. What do you got for me, Tom? Um, lyrics wise, well, I'm not going to comment on the lyrics of this song. They're in German. They know what they did, so <laughs> you know. But I will say, um, just as a personal note, this song is in the Gross Point Blank soundtrack, mm. which is a great soundtrack. Again, that's a little bit Gen X, but if you haven't heard it. It's friggin' awesome. It was programmed by Joe Strummer from The Clash yep. shortly before he died. And it's like, the film is, uh, it's a it's a uh, high school reunion for people who went to high school in the 80s. So the soundtrack is like a greatest hits of the 80s album, but programmed by someone who's consciously trying to avoid any 80s stereotypical yep. shit. So it's got a couple of things like this, like the German 99 Luftballons, but no ostentatious Australian. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but um, yeah, and yeah. Also, it uses a clever trick, also picked up by um, Tarantino, Pump Up the Volume, Vanishing Point, etc., etc., oh, which is yeah. that if you are writing a film and you always secretly wanted to be a DJ, just make a character in the movie a DJ, then you can just play... Whatever, whatever you want you on the soundtrack want. and it's their it's their fault you know or like that you make it super 80s weekend or 70s weekend if you want the whole soundtrack to be 70s and yep. then just yeah you can put words in their mouth and just narrate your own soundtrack for the film and then it's uh, diegetic as oh, well is yeah. that the word? diegetic or eidetic? meaning that the soundtrack most of the soundtrack takes place in the world of the film oh, the characters are listening okay. to like half of the awesome 80 stuff happens at the reunion yep. so they the characters are list, they're running around while this is playing in the background not just know. sort of so the director putting it over the top no of the, no of the, just doing a cheap cash in you know they're <laughs> well, not needle drops you know you've, no, yeah. yeah not just sort of a montage of like shopping for shirts or something no, no. Something. yeah cool anyway, um, sorry, yeah good that. good pump up the volume it's um, let's, let's yeah, just so. say uh, Christian Slater reference number two <laughs> in this podcast so far <laughs> sure. Heather's and pump up the volume I'm gonna raise cuffs a little bit later for the for the uh, I don't know if I am but it's I've just mentioned, it just mentioned I'm it sure then. that holds up super well <laughs> Oh, look, I think any all of Christian Slater's work holds up very well. <laughs> Nothing. So. There couldn't be anything wrong with the plot that involves a white policeman going into an all-black neighbourhood and getting a bunch of guns to hunt down drug dealers. I'm sure it's it's fine. No, definitely. And I believe that in Cuffs, he also inherits the role of the, the sheriff. In it's, it's like it's sort of his dad dies and it's like you're just oh, the sheriff now. as well excellent so it's, yes. it's good yeah so I don't I don't know whether that really I think I, I did try to read about this San Francisco share like whatever it is they have some weird uh, 
well, they did back in the day, like a sort of a private citizens could buy into like oh a police force or something <laughs> bizarre. I can't remember, but I tried reading about it, and um, I think that's what happened in cuffs. But okay, um, well, now we're just requires about further research. Movies, yeah, exactly. So I'll move. I'll on. do enough of that on my own anyway. So yeah, so that's that. Um, so that was number one for five weeks, and it was it was number one in a lot of countries as well. Five so. weeks just seems to be the average here. It does absolutely. So um, up next, seventh of May, Weird Al Yankovic. Eat it. Oh, okay. One week. For one week? Yep. Um, look, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Parody songs suck shit. <laughs> we might have a difference we of opinion here. We might have a disagreement <laughs> on this, but I am a cheesy motherfucker, so, you know. I sure. really like Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> in the terms that he's clearly someone that doesn't give a shit, has done his own thing for his whole career. You know, That's true. He's been in a lot of, like films or TV shows and things that I do respect, but I've never been a big parody song fan. So, Tom, I might have to leave yeah, this Yeah, I think a lot of people who are in your position, like, they don't like parody songs in general, but they make an allowance for Weird Al Yankovic on the traditional old-school museo-criticism version, e.g. if you hang around for enough decades, you get credibility by default. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, I stand up for Weird Al, mainly on the strength of just his lifelong commitment to that one joke. Like, if you'd told me in 1984 that he'd still be doing the same thing 40 years later and touring live and still converting, like, emo, you know, metal songs into pizza-related sort of dad jokes, then I'm not sure if I would have been impressed or horrified, but I certainly would have respected his commitment to I'm impressed and respect that, the fact that and, yeah, he's committed to the cause and, and also he did it. say he was weird so you know it, yeah. like Michael Jackson's yeah. album Bad you can't argue with the fundamental truth of the statement that's true that's true <laughs> and his, I will say his videos are funny especially that, yeah. from this era they are just straight up naked gun style piss takes of the originals yep. like a surgeon eat it and fat if they on once on Rage they just played them one after the other interspersed with the originals and you can see all the little jokes the little second by second background jokes that yeah. are related to the original which if you hadn't just watched the you know the Michael Jackson one or the Madonna one you go why is there a lion in that hospital and then you go oh right there was one in the, yeah, the Madonna yeah. one for some reason attention to detail <laughs> is like certainly that. there yeah sure. you know no, massive respect. I completely agree. And actually, as you... In general, yeah, I will yeah. say, like, on a chart, if I if I see a novelty song, I'm not expecting gold. No, I think you're right. I think it's from a lot of people... usually ostentatious and not usually weird out. No, definitely. I think I've just sort of... Too many novelty songs, too many parodies, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I, just, I just can't handle it anymore. But, um, no, I think if I was going to give someone a pass, it would be this guy. He also um, stopped performing Eat It. And Fat, which was the bad parody of Michael Jackson. He stopped performing them live. No, no, no. Just after after um, he just went, Michael Jackson. Oh, he he yeah. listened to last week's ped- pedophile uh, <laughs> allegations from us in the podcast. Sure. He heard us say that um, pre th- these songs are pre-ped. You're, hang but on, you're he, not telling me Michael Jackson's cancelled as well. He no, is cancelled, yeah. I'm sorry. His list just yeah. gets longer. Definitely. But yeah, apparently he stopped performing them live because he just went, I listened to this <laughs> no, podcast and they, they brought up... Uh, uh, an issue that I agree with. There's an extremely... Have you ever heard Bill Cosby Bukowski? It's a hilarious <laughs> routine that's done by this... One of those comedy bang-bang type podcast comedians yep. called John Daly. And he does a version of Bill Cosby who does 
Bukowski style sort of <laughs> edgy, <laughs> sweary scat poems and stuff, and they're hilarious. But it, it was like he sort of started doing this like a year before <laughs> Bill Cosby went to jail finally, and so he had to ironically he had to retire this horrible version of Cosby because the real one turned out to be far, far worse, worse than his <laughs> disgusting gutter version. But I do encourage you to look them up because they are hilarious and you will not be sending any money to Bill Cosby because these are certainly not licensed. That's good to hear. Of it. Good to hear. That's good. All right, so, lyrics not... wise, uh, there's not much really, you know, the drill. It's just talking about eating food. Yep. But I will say there's one that's like that I remember from listening to it on a cassette when I was a kid, which is Open up your mouth and feed it. Have some more yogurt. Have some more spam. Uh, <laughs> one, there's not enough spam mentions in music. No. And two, he says it while trying to sound tough. It's almost impossible to say spam and sound tough. Like, seriously, have a go. Try saying spam. In spam. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. no, it's <laughs> Because it's, he's trying to do Michael Jackson trying to sound like a tough heterosexual man. <laughs> so, like... It's a difficult, know, difficult task. Yes, you've got a white nerdy Jew trying to sound like a... Black nerdy pedophile <laughs> trying to sound like a tough heterosexual black guy, and it's equally successful. But then again, I can't make it work either. There's so, a lot of know. balls there to, to have in the air at the same time, and not a lot of people can pull that off. But we now did it, so well, he tried. <laughs> um, Eight hundred fifty thousand people on Spotify. That's less than I would have thought. Yeah. He's quite. He's still kind of. He's like. He's got that kind of hipster granddad status. But hey, he does. I think. Yeah, for sure. So. And what what does a record go for? Eighty two cents. Oh yeah, probably so, less than printed. But true, that's true. So anyway, yeah, definitely. Um, look, yeah, not for me, but that's fine. Not all of them can be. No, nah. <laughs> not all of them can be. Um, one week up next for three weeks. Kenny Loggins, Ooh. Footloose. Ooh, another movie song. Now, Have Tom, we had any other movie songs? I think I feel like last week they were like almost all movie songs. Yeah, not current ones. Like no, no, all no. of these would have turned up in movies by now. But yeah. yeah, okay. This so is, this, this is yeah, one. they were. There was a lot of flash dance last week. So this is this Footloose. This is particularly yep. written for that. Another um, dance glorifying movie. Yeah. Look, Tom, you're a film director. Um, <laughs> let's assume. Sure, like, I don't throw it around at parties, no. but yeah, you know. Um, you need a song for the soundtrack. Sure. You want something that's going to, you know, tie into the story, potentially be used mm-hmm. as a montage. How would you describe the feet in this movie, you know, if you had to pick an adjective, you know? Oh. Sort of stationary? No, I think there'd be a lot of movement. I Polite. think it's sort of... <laughs> I, I don't really. I, I haven't. I haven't thought that far ahead. But what I'm thinking. I mean, you're getting on the phone to someone okay. to get a song that's going to do that. You want it on the soundtrack. You want it in a montage. You want it to move the story forward if possible. Who, who's your first I, call going to be to? Have I already called Huey Lewis? You have. You've uh, called up Huey and he said, see, "I can't do he's it." He's busy filming the 17 other movie soundtracks he was doing in 1984. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, look, I'm stuck. Who who would you recommend? I'll call you and say, Ben. Look, I'm desperate here. You know, I would probably, <laughs> and when I say probably, definitely get on the phone to Kenny Loggins. Um, and that's not just because he's the current person we're talking about. It's because. He's the he's the uh, he's the soundtrack king, and when I say soundtrack king, I mean he did Footloose 
and Highway to the Danger Zone. <laughs> so, I don't know whether he did anything was, else apart from that. I think he did something in Caddyshack as well, purportedly. I might be getting a bit my yacht rock shit here confused yep. a bit. Was Loggins in a band yeah. first that anyone's ever heard of? Or was he always in solo? Band? No, he was in a band beforehand. Um, this, oh, this is this might be a bit hard for people to remember, but um, my favourite, one of my favourite um, glam metal bands, glam rock bands, Poison. Yeah. Um, they did a song, a cover song on one of their albums called uh, Your Mama Don't Dance and Your Daddy Don't Rock and Roll. I do remember Remember this. that? Uh, I believe that was on um, the one with the long tongue. <laughs> Lick it up, was it? No, it was it, <laughs> it was not Look What the Cat Dragged In. It was uh, Open Up and Say Ah. ah yes. I think it was on Open Up and Say Ah. <laughs> Um, so that's a fantastic album. So it was a great period of the definitely. Oral I think it was on that. Related song. I think it was on that album. But yeah, so your mama don't dance, your daddy don't rock and roll. Great poison cover. Sure. Fantastic. But that was written by Kenny Loggins in his previous guys in a in a band. What so, were they called? Do you know? Um, it was it was like a duet. It was like. Oh, Logan. like a Hall and Oates type thing. Kind so of, yeah. Loggins and Loggins. It was, was <laughs> Loggins. Uh, like, Kenny Loggins, I feel like now he'd probably, like, he'd call himself, like, K-Log or something. Like, I think <laughs> if he was, like... The you know, like, yep. Ken, like, Kenny Loggins is a sick name. Like, I think it's Loggins a really... It is. I mean, again, it was a great time. you got yeah. Pat, you've got Kenny, yep. you know, you've got Lionel... <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, sorry, yeah. the group was called Loggins and Messina, so we teamed up with a guy called Which Jim Messina. Which nowadays just sounds like an it's oh, an ice cream shop. Ice cream now. Shop, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I think that's where they stole it from. They just went, let's. Shoot. It was originally going to be called Loggins, the ice cream shop, but they went with Messina. So, um, but yeah, so Loggins and Messina wrote "Your Mama, Mama Don't Dance." Poison obviously took it to a new level. Sure. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that was a catchy one. Yeah, so that's what he did. But this is. Um, this is a good one. Footloose, what do you think? Have you seen it recently? Does it hold up? Have I you... have never actually seen all of Footloose. Yep. I only recently watched... There's the... What is... There's the 80s... The 80s friggin' dance trilogy. You've got your Footloose. Yep. You've got Flashdance. Yep. And you've got Dirty Dancing. Yep. I haven't seen any of them... Oh. All you know, or other than little bits yep. of it, like yep. you know, I've seen you know. Who what about Breaking seen... Two, Electric Boogaloo? Have you seen that? <laughs> no. no, okay. No. I watched Dirty Dancing a little while ago. That was surprisingly good, actually. Yep. Like, yep. yeah, holds up. Sent a drunken text message at one a.m. to my friend saying, "Are you telling me the entire plot of this uh, hinges on trying to raise money to get someone else's abortion?" Yeah, basically. Yeah, so <laughs> sort that's of very full. They don't mention that in the trailer. No, no, that's, no, what the, that's the main thrust. But of the yeah, film. how have you seen Fort Lewis recently? Oh, I haven't. No, 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 I haven't. I, I saw it when I was younger, but I haven't seen it for a long time. It's sort of like Kevin Bacon what, is in a town where ben, like dancing is banned or something. Mm. And, and the, the premise sounds you so fucking stupid. Yeah. And then you realise that it's based on like a true story oh, of okay. some town in America where, you know, yeah. I think they were quite religious and I think they're sort of... In America? Concept. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and they, hang on, and they banned something fucking stupid. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, okay. exactly. Wow. It doesn't sound like America. I'm sure there's nowhere in America where it's Well, that was it. This is in the 80s, Tom. They've ironed everything out now in America. I've been watching the news recently. America seems to be <laughs> just ploughing ahead. They're that, on a, they're on a good true. track now. Yep. All the problems are ironed out. Everything's smooth. Smooth sailing. But back in the 80s, it wasn't. Dancing was banned. They still had racism down. back then as well. Yeah, they yeah, did. No, you're right. They well, did, dancing but, and racism, they were the two main issues in the 80s for Americans. Fortunately, all that's overcome now, so it's good to hear. The Lord um, Master. But yeah, so 
the, up the film the film um the film was yeah fine when i saw it when i was younger I haven't seen it recently um they did remake it in 2011 um they made a new footloose in 2011 right um, and uh, some uh, a country and western singer by the name of Blake Sheldon who I don't know but uh, he did yeah, a completely pointless cover of this song that basically just went we've done the film again <laughs> so we have to cover all the songs in the film again so he's just done a cover <laughs> um, look why remake a film to begin with this is um, oh, my, my theory question. is yeah. you don't do it it just shows a creative bankruptcy that I don't know. I'm not, I'm just there must be so many great scripts and great ideas yeah. for films out there that don't get made because someone said, Hey, let's fucking remake Footloose. They don't even seem to do that well. This is the weird thing. Like yep. you would think off the top of your head that it would be to cash in on Boomin on Gen X nostalgia, the same way we had to put up with all the freaking Boomin nostalgia that got cashed in when we were yep. growing up. But the people I know who are least likely to be interested in these things are the people who watched it the first time and don't have any interest in seeing it again, especially yep. not a shit version. Like, nobody who watched the original Point Break and loves it is going to go and watch some half-assed shit no. non-version. So, either they've completely missed the mark or they're trying to get a new generation to watch a less good version of a film they can access instantaneously for free on the internet yep. and compare it with... Exactly. Just, like, it just seems not only creatively bankrupt, but not very likely to make any no. money. Like, I don't know. Here's a cheaper option. You just re-release the original again in cinemas and pretend you've like put it into some new... Yeah, it's George oh, Lucas style. With, yeah, with, with CGI'd uh, with in C- an extra <laughs> Gary Busey in the background of Point <laughs> exactly. Break. We've done that. We've got an extra... Yeah, there's two Kevin Bacons in Footloose now. It's like a Four weird... meatball subs, two yeah. Gary Buseys. You know. <laughs> exactly. Just do that. Um, just pretend that you've you know made the picture clear or something or it's in some new yep. surround sound that didn't exist in the 80s. Re-release it. And look, might not do well, but you didn't have to spend $200 million making it. It was free. You already had it there. So, sure. I don't know. I just... So, when I heard that they got this guy to cover this song, and then I listened to the cover and went, it's just a shittier version of the original. I was just like, well, this is just the remake seems, thing. I mean, it just seems like, yeah, perfect metaphor for yep. the whole thing. Why don't they remake shit films? Why don't they take films <laughs> from the 80s that were fucking terrible like and the just Goonies, go... The Goonies, Yeah, why don't you take the Goonies and say... This film wasn't very good. Let's remake it better. Mm. I think that's a better idea. Yeah, sure. Because you can get the rights really cheap if someone sure. says... Just don't make the male characters female yep. or you're opening up a whole can of incel. You absolutely so are, exactly. People just make sure everyone's gender is exactly the same don't change, as it was. Dude, don't change anything. Just film it exactly <laughs> no, the same. That's right. So, shot for shot remake. Yeah, definitely. Just with Blake Shelton in it. Yeah, um, why remake, you know, say Predator or Robocop when you can <laughs> remake Rotor? Yes. Um, a, a or Chopping Mall. Oh, yeah, know. exactly. So there's all these things you can do, so... But anyway, so look, this song, this is a fucking banger. This is a powerhouse of a hit. It is pretty fucking catchy. I think it's got that sort of fifties flavor that the boomers yeah. loved, but it works in this. It like definitely. it is kind of, which well, is, and it suits the the theme as well, which is kind of like, yeah. you know, um, I'm definitely more of a fan of Highway to the Danger Zone because it just <laughs> sounds more dangerous, it's and I like much more futuristic high, Highway to the Danger Zone. Um, I'm not sure why you'd want to get to mm. the Danger Zone. I like it's a man faster who can than you need mix to. Mix metaphors in. Yeah. Four, four uh, words. That's, yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
Highway two. That, that's highway two. That there's, there's a lot of syllables in Did, highway. Yes, actually, confusing. hang on. I'm thinking this. Kenny Logan shows up in Archer at one point, doesn't he? I think. Oh the yeah, he does. Kenny yeah, he Logan. does. Good, Absolutely. good on him for that. For sure. No, I think he's he's done very well for himself in terms of just pumping out a couple of mm. soundtrack bangers. For a man with that beard, he's done well for himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a real quick point. Um, Kevin Bacon, yep. um, who of course is is the main star of Footloose. To whom we're all connected. Yep. Um, I did read this quote about sure. this song. He said, um, when he's at weddings, I go to the <laughs> disc jockey and hand him $20 and say, please don't play that song. Because first off, a wedding is not about me. It's about the bride and groom. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. I think that's really nice because, yeah, I can imagine that. You're at a wedding. Sure. There's some fucking terrible DJ. He spots Kevin Bacon in the crowd. He throws on Footloose. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, Kevin, do the fuck. And he's like, fucking hell. So he gives a guy 20. This this quote's probably a few years ago. I think he might have to up the ante now to like 50 <laughs> or maybe even 100. Um, pays off the DJ to not play it because the wedding is all about the bride and groom. Sure. Respect for that guy. Sure, and I'm sure nobody at the wedding has noticed that Kevin Bacon, a man who's synonymous with being connected to every human being on the planet by six degrees, is not walking around at your wedding. But sure, and I'm sure none of them want to hear that song while looking at you know the star of the massively successful movie. But I understand why he would find it fucking irritating. Oh, it'd be irritating (laughs) as hell. On a personal level, I think he might just be covering his ass a bit with that one. Yeah, imagine being a celebrity. It sounds fucking terrible. Um, just going to weddings and people going, oh, do that dance that you did in that film <laughs> 40 years ago. It's like, fuck. Sure. So anyway, Kevin, Kenny, um, 6.1 mil on the wow. Spotify. That's so awesome. people are still listening a lot, but he does have a lot of soundtrack For bangers. Him, had two. He must have, his, his albums must have done better than I'm thinking at the time. Yeah, I only I know so. him for those two. So. Oh, look, I'm pretty much the same, I think. But um, it's about... Quality, not quantity. <laughs> sure. And he definitely has the quality. And 64 cents, you can get a copy of this on Discogs. Um, you got any lyrical highlights? Um, sure. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not a great song, lyrically. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, again, it has that kind of 1950s thing. Nobody expected friggin' a thesaurus from Chuck Berry or anything, you know, from no. that style of songwriting. But... um he does that thing where he keeps using la- names as like lazy rhymes in his chorus, which people have been doing for fucking decades, including yeah. you know masterpieces like Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover" by Paul Simon, and of course Mambo Number no. Five. <laughs> so, some of Kenny's include "Whoa, Milo, Come On, Come On, Let's Go," which barely even rhymes, and "Please," the one I always thought it was a bit weird. "Please, Louise, pull me off of my knees," which doesn't make a lot of sense unless his best friend is uh, chocolate beverage. In a can, he has arthritis and a day job as a professional glory hole polisher, and he works next to a lady called Louise. Like, I don't really understand. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you were kneeling down next to someone and your back's a bit stiff, would you say, "Hey, can you pull me off?" <laughs> I think throwing "pull me off" while your head's sort of at crotch. <laughs> yeah, I think throwing that into the chorus of any song. Um, that's a red flag, but Kenny Loggins got away with it, and it's a big hit. So sure, okay. might be the only might be the only song we discuss that does have "pull me off" in the lyrics. I'm that's sure. true, and I mean, fair play. At least Louise rhymes with knees. Yeah, that's can't true. argue that's with true. that. Can't argue with that. So thanks, Kenny. Um, all right, after that, June fourth of June, um, Lionel Richie for three weeks with Hello. 
Now, this cunt's cancelled, so we can <laughs> skip this if you want. He's cancelled. Um, this song... Also, possibly the laziest title for a song Hello, yep. in the entire world. This song's sure. really boring. Like, it's it sort is. of like, yeah. it sucks. A Shit. lot of his stuff has not aged no. very well. Um, it was and sappy in a way that was not entirely exciting at the time and is not great. No, now. no. So, interestingly... Um, <laughs> apparently, he was uh, there was a lawsuit. Um, so there's a songwriter, um, Marjorie Hoffman White, and she said that Richie um, plagiarised her song, I'm Not Ready Did to Go. Did she really? So she said that that um, this he's ripped this off. Yeah. And it begs the question, why would you rip off something so boring? <laughs> if you're going to rip something, rip off something True. interesting. It's just like, fuck. He's so, made it even more boring. That yeah. t- I mean, I'm Not Ready to Go is a shit title, but Hello knocks it into a cocked yep. yeah, exactly. long drop. Oh, for sure. Now, look, this guy's already cancelled for, you know, making up the African language <laughs> and just being a general dildo. Sure. But the music video for this song, Tom, I'm not sure if you've seen it recently, but fucking hell. Like, <laughs> my God, if he wasn't already cancelled, you've got to cancel him for this shit. Because it's extra cancelled. He's doubly, doubly cancelled. Doubly fucking cancelled. So, the... the the video clip, so Lionel Richie um, is an acting teacher at like a college. Sure. Um, so there seems to be... So, so he's definitely a fully grown adult oh, in yeah. his 30s. Yeah, he's, sure. at, he's at least 35 <laughs> at this stage, maybe even older. So he's like well in, deep into his 30s. He's at like a school um, teaching acting and there's a bit, and he, there's a bit of a... A weird, it seems like an unrequited sort of relationship, not quite sure, but um, with a blind student. Um, so mm. he just stalks her. <laughs> so throughout the video clip, she's walking around the halls of you know the school mm-hmm. that she's going to. She can't be any older than 17. She, she doesn't look very doesn't old. doesn't have eyesight, so she no, can't, she can't uh, see. describe his features to so, the police when she's reporting exactly. this guy who's stalking her around. So imagine that. Imagine being a 17-year-old blind <laughs> student at school and having your creepy fucking, you know, theatre teacher just stalking you, <laughs> following you around the school, and you can't see them. And Lionel's just hiding, you know, just behind corners and, like, ducking out and going, oh, there she, you know, just following her around. What a fucking weirdo. It's the like, kind it's... of music video where there's a lot of people staring through window panes with oh, exactly. be- beads of rain trickling down them. For know, sure, for sure. So this cars is... pass on a wet street. It's that kind of music video. The kind yeah. that makes you want to fall asleep. Absolutely. So totally weird stalking, creeping the fuck out of everyone at the school. Everyone's like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? But weirdly, at the end of the music video, um, she's doing some artwork and... Uh, and she sculpts a head out <laughs> she of clay. She sure does. <laughs> um, so, um, and the, the head that she sculpts out of clay, despite the fact she is blind, we have pointed this out, looks remarkably like Lionel Richie. You say this, that. I, uh, looking at that head on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being Lionel Richie and 10 being, say, Macho Man Randy Savage, <laughs> where would you put it? Ooh, okay, that's a fair point. Um, yeah, it's probably... It's maybe... More towards the Randy Savage end. <laughs> I mean, this, she yeah. is blind. Let's give her that. She is, you know. yeah, definitely. Um, Which asks a whole bunch of other questions, really. Oh, look, this video... Does she fondle his head at any point in the video? I don't think she does. But... So she just psychically knows that he looks kind of like Matcha Man Randy Savage and she's yeah. built that into her sculpting. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So does the head 
Lionel walks in and sees that and he's like, okay, maybe this love isn't unrequited. Maybe <laughs> she does have feelings for me. But then she doesn't know what head she's sculpting. She's just sculpting any head because she's never seen him before. So he, when the video clip ends, he may have tried it on and said, oh, look, I noticed you sculpted my head. And she's like, who the fuck are you? Leave me alone. Oh, I've been, follow- I've been following you around all the time. I've noticed you sculpted my head. And it's just like, I don't know what you look like. I'm blind. So, look, like all good art, this video clip asks more questions than answers. Um, it certainly asks one major question. What sure. the fuck is happening in this thing? But he's definitely stalking her. And look, in terms of... She's either got a psychic ability or she's just done a head. Maybe Lionel Richie's head is just like a, a relatively generic head. I don't know. Like Maybe she's just sculpted a head. And it just sort of happened, Lionel. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, oh, watch the video clip. Make yeah. your own decision. I think I don't want to. Be, I don't want to sort of draw any conclusions to this. I think it's up to you, the listener, to sort of watch this. Jump onto the YouTube, check it out, and yeah, see how it goes. And in case you're wondering, does Lionel Richie spend the entire music video wearing a dozen? different outfits of the kind of pastel casual wear <laughs> that doesn't. make hall notes look like Marilyn Manson and the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, he does. Absolutely. That was, the idea that that was his look, that, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. You can pick that look up at any op shop now for under $5, I think, oh, which is good. I might it's start dressing totally like Lionel Richie. Oh, I'm not, actually, because he's, can- he's doubly cancelled. <laughs> I don't want to be associated People- with him. The thing is, people remember the 80s as having bad fashion, like which year it doesn't. But even the bad fashion they remember as being more interesting, what they tend to forget is the kind of um, Lionel Richie type, just, you know, nylon knitwear type shit, you know, that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. For and sure. That, that weird parachute material stuff that everybody, all the new age, new wave people wore. I don't know yeah, what, what yeah. was happening. Anyway. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't fathom how much of that's in landfill now. Like sort of just, it, it must be like a billion barrels of oil that went into making that clothes. I'm sure it'll buried, come back so. in fashion. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. So Lionel Richie, 8.3 million listeners on Spotify. I think once people hear this, it's gonna, that's going to drop. That's going to plummet. How many? 8.3 million a month. Oh, that's going to plummet. So he's got the most out of anyone we've done so uh, far. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So I think, but people are going to go, this this cunt's cancelled. He's making up languages. He's stalking blind girls. Um, let's yep. get rid of him. So, yeah, there you go. And you, but you can pick this up for 27 cents on Spotify. Oh, no, sorry, on Discog. So there you go. Um, any lyrical highlights for this one? Well, must be loads. Oh, God. <laughs> Probably not. The grand tradition of songs, which are sort of vague sounding pabulum, but are actually pretty mental and stalkery, you know. Yep. It's just a lot of imagining, you know, is it me you're looking for? I can see you're in your eyes, you can see it in your smile, blind person who doesn't know what I look like. Yep. You're all I ever wanted, never talked to you. My arms are open wide, question mark, because you know just what to say and you know just what to do and I want to tell you so much, I love you. Yep. It's just, you know, at least Sting had the balls to make every breath you take about an actual stalker. Yeah. And people still think it's romantic and play yeah. it at their fucking weddings and shit, which tells you a lot about romance in the sort of 20th century popular Definitely. cultural mentality. Like if I stare at you through enough window panes with 
raindrops rolling down them, then you'll just psychically fall in love with me, you know? Oh, definitely. Which is clearly what they're doing in the video for this, but, you know. He just looks through a lot of windows. She's blind, and yet at the end, she's yep. sculpted his head out of clay. I'm so 20 years sense. older than yep. you, but if I stare at you enough, then, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It must be love. Look, I think the saddest part is that there wasn't a sequel to this, because <laughs> I would have liked to have known... Did they get together? You know, <laughs> well, were, were her parents like, he's 35, <laughs> you're 17, that's pretty weird. Did he, you know, look at the head and go, oh, it's not quite good enough and throw it in the trash? I mean, what if someone sculpts a head of you out of clay and it's not, you know, it's your likeness, but it's not close enough? Do you, you put it on the fridge for six months? Do you sort of throw it out? I mean, what, I mean, I don't know, what do you do? Do you keep it forever? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just sort of you know because yeah. it, it was it was it was all right but I mean but given that she's blind it was very good I think it was very yes. very good yeah but it wasn't perfect so that's fine um, <laughs> anyway look I won't keep going into that because it just gets gross uh, <laughs> this song sucks this is the worst one of the year I think so right, um, can we just take a quick break you while we have a bet ad for Casper mattresses or you know one oh. of our many sponsors. <laughs> Mailchimp, I've heard that they've... So... That's uh, why you should sleep on a Casper mattress. That's correct. They are the finest around, I hear. There's a podcast that I listen to that's got an ad for something called Usual Wines, which is some sort of American (laughs) subscription service that sends you one and a half glass of wine-sized bottles of wine, and the copy in the ad repeatedly says... No more pouring half a bottle of wine down the sink because you don't want to drink the rest of the wine. Who does <laughs> that? <laughs> I don't even think Americans do that. No. Like, do they know that wine doesn't go off, like, overnight, that you can just put the lid back on, yeah. stick it in the fridge? <laughs> and even if it's really bad, you can usually use it for cooking or just drink it. <laughs> Sorry, that was just sheer that's oh, alright it's okay no, yeah that's alright just go to the bottle shop for Christ's sake <laughs> definitely definitely um, okay what have we got June we 25th of, of June, June. Right. Um, this one's the 12th man it's oh, just not cricket Christ almighty now look last year um, do we have to explain this to people who aren't from Australia or I, just oh, re- yeah, look, that everybody knows who this is yeah look if so last year we had Australiana, which was clearly the, the shittest thing from 1983 by like fucking light years. So that was written by Billy Birmingham. Yeah. Um, and then he he wanted to distance himself from it because he realised it was so bad. We had a Billy Birmingham song last year. No, no, it was just that. Man. It was just it was Wasn't it? no oh, okay. no twelfth. It was just it was, it was just, just we just talked one. about yeah. that. Okay. So anyway, so Billy Birmingham for people that don't know, his most famous. Um, character, I mm-hmm. guess, well, series of characters is the Twelfth Man, and what that is, um, if you don't know, it's just um, cricket commentary. So yes. what he does is he the joke. He, this just to give you an idea about how hilarious this stuff is. There's eleven people on a cricket side, so the Twelfth Man means that you know he's he's not you know, quite good enough to get in. It. If you find that hilarious, then that's fucking, the this is the guy. <laughs> yeah. He's right up your yeah. alley. So this isn't a song either. This is just effectively. Um, a record where he just does a pretend cricket commentary, but what happens is what makes it funny is that when you actually, if you were actually to watch cricket, the commentator or any sport, you know, if you're if you don't know much about cricket, this equally applies to 
basketball or baseball or whatever that you might want to, to sport that you watch, the commentators don't usually swear, do they, Tom? They usually just no. So not what? Usually. So what he, what Billy Birmingham has done, he's flipped that idea on its head, uh, and yes. and he says shit a lot, <laughs> and that's what makes. So he'll be talking about it would be do so he would do cricket commentary, but he'll mm, say shit. I see. And and fuck and stuff, and he'll say swear words, and that makes it funny. And we'll also, have to write this down because it's quite complicated. And he'll also he makes fun of foreign names. Ah, so I see. someone from like Pakistan or India, not from this country. Nah, from not country. not from this country. No, from foreign. He would take a foreign name, and he would, like if it's if someone's from India, you would call them like like mm. Gary, like. <laughs> no, you won't call them Gary. It would be something like, um, you know, oh, you, like, like curry, curry, England. curry munch and stars. Like you, because yeah. they, because they eat curries. You throw, you would take something and you make it like a racist, was, like yeah, so everyone, or at the very least, just taking the piss out of their name by yep. making it sound weird because it's a weird name. There was yep. uh, there was one guy called Jarvid Me and Dad, yep. and he called him a jar of Vegemite for me and Dad. Yeah, yeah. So which that's is, that was a high end joke by his standard because it doesn't involve direct literal racism. Exactly, it's just mocking you for having a funny sounding foreign name. Exactly. So those were the two the two guns in his arsenal was swear words. Shit. Yep. And making fun of foreign And names. of course, yep. this is 1984 and it's the radio, so he's got to put one of those guns back in the yep. holster and he's just stuck with foreign names. Exactly. So what you've got here is something that's not a song. No. It's not a comedy sketch. No. It's just a series of wacky name jokes. Yep. In the voice of someone kind of half pretending to be a commentator of a sport that most of the world doesn't play and yep. nobody would remember 30 years later. Yeah, look, this is aged terribly um, <laughs> and it and it was fucking Wasn't awful. Great at the time. <laughs> so, it's no good. But he's made a career out of this. He's done full albums um, for a long time. And look, I think, honestly, um, I was given a dubbed copy of one of these tapes, I think, when I was like 10 and went... Oh yeah, that's kind of funny. As a ten-year-old, I do remember um, on the playground. Not this one particularly, no. but he had another one like called like the Wide World of Sports or something. But yeah. I pr- I probably wouldn't have listened to it for a, wow, yeah, probably twenty-five years or something. It's the kind of thing that Bogan dads had in their yeah. car or older brothers had, and you would sneak it when you were like twelve and listen yep. to it, and you would think it was hilarious because it had swear words in it. In it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I dare say the 12th man's probably been cancelled these days because there's a lot of racism well, I, in there. Well, on the racism, I watched the video for this. Yeah. And what would you think? You might think, well, what would you do with this? You got fuck all. What would you do? You'd have cricket footage and maybe a guy wearing makeup to look like the commentator yeah. doing the routine. Nah, it's just a guy sitting on his couch drinking beer with his dog listening to this being played good as though you're looking out from the TV on a particularly boring sporting fixture just watching one boring man on his couch with his dog and the first joke in the video is a racist joke about his dog which is black Uh, so so I'll say it's time to ring the cancelled bell yeah two strikes for you Billy Birmingham (laughs) just from from a quality level we've cancelled half a dozen everyone's cancelled it's July Um, yeah and lyrics wise I refuse to dignify the shit with lyrics because it's not a song it's just a list of 1980s cricketers who weren't white and then you make up shit about their name 
Yeah. Mm. Um, it's just not cricket, I would say, if I was trying to describe <laughs> this to indeed, the indeed. man in question. Uh, this sucks. Let's move on. Um, oh, you don't have any figures. Uh, <laughs> $3.50 on Discogs. Oh, probably because they printed they, 100. They didn't make enough. And, 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 and the 12th man doesn't point. appear to be on Spotify, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Christ. So I should have looked at YouTube views, but um, anyway, look, uh, it's comparing apples and oranges. Oh, so all right, up next. Oh, this is a big one. Wham. Wake me up before you go-go. When should I wake you up? Before you go-go. Okay. Um, Just one of Seven weeks. Sure. This is huge. Oh, that was a big one. Yeah, and I tell you what, like... And the good thing about this song is that I... Look, I can only imagine that George Michael... How many times was he like, Oh, let's go out dancing. I'm going to have a nap beforehand. Um, you know, because, you know, we're going out because all the best go-go clubs don't get started until, you know, after midnight. So he's probably like, I'm going to have a power nap. Just wake me up. We'll go out dancing. Obviously, he's woken up. Whoever he wanted to go dancing with has gone. Da- they've fucked off. They've gone out dancing. He's woken up going, I can't. You've gone without me. So fortunately, George wrote this song and said, look, if you promise somebody that you're going to take them out dancing... And they have a power nap before you go out dancing. Wake them up <laughs> so you can go dancing with them because they want to go dancing. He wrote this song. He recorded it. It was out there. By the time I was a teenager, it was known that you always wake someone up before you go out dancing. So I didn't have to worry about that. Thank you, George. I would <laughs> so many times. So many times. So I'd say, let's go dancing tonight. Yeah, great. Let's go to the saloon. Let's dance it up at the saloon but I'm going to have a power nap because I'm a bit tired. Wake me up before you go-go. And they'll be like, well, you don't have to tell me that. It's implied because of the wham song, Wake Me Up Before You and Go. And the irony, of course, being when you got to the saloon, they would be playing a entrance remix of <laughs> Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. <laughs> and you find yourself listening to it thinking, geez, I wish they'd play the original because this is even gayer yep. than the original. You know what makes this song better? 180 BPMs. That's what really... <laughs> also, sort of... I, you know, at the risk of sounding like a South Park character, I just described said this song was even gayer than the dance music. But I do mean that quite literally in this. If you um, watch the music video for this song, there is not a straight bone in this body. Oh boy. Like the fact that, yeah, I mean, look, some of the, just the outfit choices. I would buy a giant Choose Life shirt before I bought a fucking Legionnaire's hat or Dayglow pink fingerless gloves. <laughs> and I mean, like, you know, again, it's like, who cares? But the not to point fingers, but if you can watch this music video and not think George Michael was clearly gay, like I don't know what to tell you. Like the surprise watching this video was that Andrew Ridgely wasn't also gay. That like you know, the, the fact that it took like a good decade and a half for it to be acceptable for him to openly be gay, you know, yeah. shows how whilst watching this video, you know, and people were just going, oh no, he's just. Yeah, it's just very colourful. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Look, and it's it's the eighties equivalent of looking at a Liberace concert would be for people in the seventies and going, "Well, fucking no shit, really." Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's an interesting uh, time because, yeah, as you mentioned, like George Michael, this song's from eighty four. George Michael, I don't think he didn't come out for like yeah at least ten oh, years no. after this. And it, uh, I mean, I'm sure people knew. Oh, of course. But, but it was but that was sort of um in the eighties it seemed to be that 
you know, there was a certain fear about your career that it could oh, tank, well, that you couldn't do those well, sorts of things. Well, like more than the 80s, right oh, through the 90s sure. and Absolutely. stuff like, you know. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, it just, so. Yeah, people, I, mean, I mean, what I'm trying to say is like, they weren't hiding. <laughs> he wasn't, no, He no, wasn't no, really no. hiding it. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, of course, I think once once George Michael did come out, I think most people just went, well, yeah, of course. He yeah, did kind of overcorrect. Do you remember that period in the 90s when all of his music videos just featured wall-to-wall naked supermodels? Yep, true. And, yeah. But then, weirdly, he was never in the video with the supermodels. <laughs> he was just off the side looking at his phone, you know. But yeah. look, just, it's, just, it's a shame that people had to pretend this hard. And it's oh, also a shame that people could watch this music video and not appreciate it for the camp masterpiece of Legionnaires hats that it is. It's instead fantastic. Instead of like, you know, yeah. Look, <laughs> I love it. I love the video clip. I think it's fantastic. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, Elton John, you know, had to get married. Yes, to sort of exactly. in the 80s to exactly. sort of be like, hey, look at me. I'm just a regular dude like you guys. So the, people went to crazy lengths to sort of have to, you know, because they felt like they had to conceal their sexuality. Just from a professional from, from a professional yeah. point of view, yeah. Anyway. Um, so hopefully, well, look, I, I, That's my I hope it's better now. That's woke perspective. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. People probably still have to do that now. I'm not quite sure. I hope I'm not. sure they do in some fields, but yeah. I mean, at least... I think in music now, I think you can be openly gay yeah. from the get-go yeah. and sort of, it, it's fine. But yeah, certainly... Um, yeah, and by fine, I mean from a commercial perspective, we're concerned about going, oh, people aren't going to buy my yeah. records. But certainly in the 80s, yeah, Wham, yeah, definitely had to sort of, George Michael had to sort of play that, yeah, I'm just a heterosexual dude. They like were, I mean, they were huge at this time, though, like, you yep. know. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, this was their first big hit, I think. Obviously, they had, um, you know, such great tracks as Wham Rap. <laughs> last Christmas I gave last you Christmas, heart very next Tropicana. day you figured yep. out I was gay that sort of exactly yeah. Yeah. You know. but you know they're only together from um, 81 to 86 so they split up not long after this it's but kind of funny like looking at it now people think of them as being like a kind of one, a one hit wonder sort of yeah. band or like a flash in the pan but in the 80s the flash in the pan lasted for five years you know exactly. you could make a fuck ton of money and be world famous in your so, flash in the pan you know oh definitely definitely and look you know like all good duos you know right said Fred Chris Cross <laughs> Millie Vanilli yeah Captain yeah. and Tennille the Bacon Brothers <laughs> which is um, Kevin Bacon and his brother Michael you know like all good duets or, you know some of the best duets you know it can't last it can't last it's better it to burn out last. than it is to fade away so True. I think that with Wham you know they came they wrote these great songs and then they left so whatever happened to the other guy from Wham Andrew, what was his name again? Andrew Ridgely, yeah. Look, it's oh, it's it's interesting, Tom. Um, so Wham obviously split up. George Michael went on to have a very very successful solo career. Um, <laughs> Andrew Ridgely, um, after Wham broke up, he moved to Monaco and tried to become like a Formula, like three driver, which sure. I assume is like there's Formula One, and then I gather. The shit, there's like a Formula 2's the shit, I don't yep. know. So Formula 3. So he gave that a go, said, I'm going to get into race cars. Proves he was heterosexual. Proves That's he was heterosexual, exactly. Straight sure. rock star behaviour. I made a bunch of money, can't be fucked making any more albums. I'm going to either learn to fly a plane and collect a bunch of planes or learn to, you know, collect a bunch of sports cars, exactly. get my heavy goods license. Exactly. So, pretend to be a rock uh, Racing driver. Yeah, so did that. Um, didn't work out. He was dog you shit at it. Oh, no, wow. it didn't work out well. So Jeez. then he moved to LA um, and said, 
I'm going to give a solo career a go. Sure. How, much how, like George how did. did that sound? So he released one album called Son of Albert. <laughs> um, his father's name was Albert, apparently. <laughs> so the son, the, the album was called Son of Albert. You remember when I said hello was a terrible name? Yeah, Suddenly bullshit, um, hello really is sounding yeah. pretty. So he released that in 1990. So Wham had been broken up for a long... So he left it too late, I think. Um, very poor sales. Uh, and his record label, CBS, said, yeah, no thanks, we don't want another album from you. However, ironically, one of the, one of the songs off the album called Shake was a top 20 hit in Australia. Nowhere else in the world gave a flying fuck about anything this dear dude has done since Wham, but yeah. And I watched that Shake song. Yeah. Um, awful. So Australians don't know what they're doing. Oh, they're, I was hoping idiots, for a so. backflip there. Yeah. yeah, sorry. So, yep. Yeah. So, you know, but I'd have to say that he must have made enough money from the Wham days that it's just fine. Like, he's seen... Oh, like, I get. Sure. I gather he's just he's doing... They, okay. they were doing world tours and shit. Like, you know, they were they were huge. Yep. Like, yeah. Absolutely. They were the... What was that boy band you just said? BTS or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Definitely. All right. So, yeah, so this is a good one. I like this one. It's pretty catchy. It's, catchy. it's fun. It's a fun song. Catchy. Um, those uh, yeah, those Choose Life shirts were, were huge for a while. I sure. mean, that's pretty big. As were insanely Legionnaires hats. My dad kept trying to get me to wear one, <laughs> and I kept throwing it in the bin when he wasn't looking. Absolutely, but yeah, Andrew originally does know, rock a Legionnaires. By hat. By the way, if you don't know what a Legionnaires hat is, it's what if a baseball cap had a mullet. That's yeah, the best way of describing that. it. Yeah, exactly. So the design of the Choose Life shirts, um, Catherine Hamnett had a lot of other. Um, shirts that were quite popular had like a slogan shirts were yeah. very big at the time worldwide, that was the heyday yep. of slogan shirts worldwide nuclear ban now was one wear a condom and peace <laughs> so had a lot of those um, but the weirdest thing about this and I think that um, look this is something that happens now as much as it did back in the 80s is that the Choose Life shirt I think the the idea behind that was you know, what, just what just live, just choose life, just you know, live yeah. a bit, do what you want to do, just you know, it's like enjoy just do it. your life. Exactly, yeah. it's like a Nike. But just with do no it. commercial aspect, really, for sure. It, other than buying the shirt, just 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 do what you want to do and just you know have a good time. But um, as can be expected, it was co-opted by the <laughs> anti-abortion. Groups. I was going to say, so, like yeah. that in this world that we live in now, that's the first thing that pops into the head. And Something also, yeah. I guess the other one is uh, Irvine Welsh mm. used it pretty heavily in train spotting as a sort of anti anthem. Yeah, exactly. Like choose, yeah, for choose sure. Choose life, choose a fucking big television, etc. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's been it's been the the message. The original message has been yeah, obviously changed in train spotting and also co opted by anti abortion groups. And, and then you know, I guess you know, the designer had to come out and say, look, you know, this is not the intention at all. But you can't once something's been created and put out into the public domain, you cannot really I mean, <laughs> anticipate it, no, what, what will happen to it. Pepe the Frog is a, <laughs> is a very recent oh, example. Sorry for that guy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, props, I guess, in a very bland way for an unequivocally positive message. Yeah. Like, there's no irony behind that. There's no yeah. real commercial aspect to it. It's not like, it's not something that relates to going out and getting it off your face. Like, it's just like, Hey, being alive is good. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, look, I guess the word, like, 
choose life. You make it's like the shirt. Keep calm and carry on. You know, definitely. It gets irritating with repetition, but you can't really sort of argue with the original yeah. truism, I suppose. Definitely, definitely. But I think the good thing about it is that you know, look, an anti-abortion group takes that on. You can just say, look, that's not the intention. Mm. That's fine. I'm taking it back. You know, I'm going to do my own thing with it again. Um, you know, Pepe the Frog. I feel for that guy because that's now on the on the hate symbol register. <laughs> yeah. So you know, that's a bit of a it's different like thing. Accidentally inventing. A new swastika. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, right. feel, I do feel for so, that guy. I'm a sort of amateur cartoonist, and you know, I can only imagine the weird blend of emotions you would have rough. by creating something world famous and then having it used for the exact opposite. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, this is one of those songs, Tom, that pops up in a lot of films as well. I just want to quickly yeah, go through a few um, TV shows: Gilmore Girls, Wow, Third Rock from the Sun, um, The X Factor. Funny. Glee, American Dad, but it's also been in the films The Wedding Singer, Charlie's Angels, yep. Zoolander, um, Zoolander 2, uh, which is one of the worst films that I think's ever been made, Talladega Nights, Heartbreaker, Happy Feet 2, and Sausage Party. <laughs> so it's been used in an array of ways. <laughs> I'll give it credit for, I for, can't believe I forgot that, but that, that's the song that's playing during the... Uh, Freak gasoline fight accident. It is. In in I mean, that's a classic. Credit scene. to that. Exactly. Yeah, that, exactly. It's right. the perfect soundtrack to that. For sure. So that's pretty good. Um, interestingly, Tom, on the Spotify, Wham usually have 7 million monthly listeners, yep. thereabouts. But in December, 47 million Whoa. monthly listeners. Was it the anniversary of his coming I out? Think, I think just um, in December, I think George Michael, I think, died. In like end of November one year or December. I feel Plus, really bad now. I forgot. I completely oh, forgot. He's dead. He's, he's dead, dead. By the way, for those that don't know, <laughs> that so sucks. Oh, spoiler sorry. alert: He's dead. He but, died in a cluster of other people dying, and yeah. I just lost no, track no. of all of them. But also last Christmas as well. So I imagine every December uh, yeah. you jump on Spotify. People yeah. that don't usually listen to Wham during the year stream last Christmas. So about fifty million around Christmas. Props to them for that. It is genuinely difficult to write a new Christmas song that ends up in the lexicon, even down the bottom of the lexicon. Yep. You know, like it's they every year every cheese ball in the music industry writes a Christmas album trying to get another. Last Christmas I gave you my heart, and there aren't that many. No, there's it's not, legitimately there's one, one of the Mariah Carey uh, for every Christmas album that she puts out. You know, one hit. No, yeah, one of the best Christmas songs I think. Uh, every Christmas time, my kids want me to put on some Christmas songs. That's what I start with, <laughs> and after that, I can't think of another one because the rest <laughs> of them are dog shit. So that's sort of the one for me. And interestingly, um, George Michael apparently um, he wrote that song last Christmas, played every instrument. In the recording. Oh, shit. Um, and also donated all of the proceeds to charity. So, so what was Andrew originally doing? Sucking fucking a around. Can. <laughs> I don't know. Just fucking Drive around. Driving his car that too quickly. Probably just driving lessons. So. And how much would a copy of that set me back? 69 cents 69. on Discord. Nice. Whoa. There we go. All right. Lyrically? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> this is a bit... Uh, I don't know if anyone else gives a shit about this. I'm guessing no. <laughs> on a personal note, most of these songs, what I'm talking about... Like, I was born in 78, so most of these songs, when I'm talking about listening to them, what I actually mean is listening to them on classic rock radio mm. as a teenager when we were forced to listen to all this shit because I lived in a small town. There was literally nothing else to fucking listen to. But this was the first song I ever remember consciously 
recalling over and over again at the age when I was on. So I would have been in grade one mm. and I remember it being played through the crappy duct taped uh, speakers on the shitty not public transport bus that yep. took us to school. And I remember it because they would play it every morning. The morning zoo crew must have loved it and it would be played at the same time every morning. And I just, it, it, I remember it sticking my head. And so... You know, when you're six years old, you you think, well, these lyrics don't make any sense, but I assume this is something that grown-ups understand, and yep. you know, when I'm older, this will make more sense. But of course they don't, you know, unless you think a yo-yo is a good metaphor for anything that doesn't go up and down, I th- you know, or that you regularly go nightclubbing <laughs> at eight o'clock in the morning, you know. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it is just legitimately hard to find anything that rhymes with go-go. Yo-yo, yo-yo might be the only one. It's funny you saying like go-go dancing. That had never occurred to me. But I don't even think that that's what he's talking about. I think it's just because it... The, the, the phrasing needs one more syllable yeah. so he just repeats it See, I, mean, I, I thought it was think... a double entendre like wake me up before you go yeah. out but also yes. maybe go go I don't know but yeah, maybe no, it's not I mean it could be but like well, yeah. Michael uh, George Michael was a, a lyrical genius as you pointed <laughs> out so maybe I think he was probably going for a double entendre but I don't know I'm not sure exactly but yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah, but I think... Hey, it, it was a giant hit, so what yeah, am I doing? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Good on you. So, cool. So, that was, um, that was yeah, seven weeks of power. Well, actually, this is one of those ones where it's number one for a few weeks and something else, and it comes back for a couple more weeks, but yeah. Oh, okay. So, 20th of August, um, Prince, When Doves Cry. Oh, sound of a bomb going off. Absolutely. <laughs> it was not the sound of a bomb going off. You have to imagine why not. Sorry. I should have specified that. Yes, I mean, what a massive, what a massive song. Absolutely. Talk about shit that still gets played and used in movies. Oh, definitely, definitely. So, um, yeah, so obviously this was one of the songs in uh, Purple Rain, one of the, obviously, Prince's... Hang on, was that a uh, no. film? One week. For, for what, for... For Prince? this one, that was only Prince one, week. one and oh. one week. People, okay. I, don't, I don't know. Look, hey, sorry, no, I was just uh, yeah, yeah I, one week for this, and I think you'll find out later on, um, either this year or later, when we look in the the list of songs that that didn't make it to number one. Maybe it's it's later on. There's a couple of other Prince songs. No, sorry, like, please go back to 1990, like for example, 1999, which is one of the most you know well known Prince songs. I don't it didn't even make it to number one. It is. I mean, so I suppose it is kind of weird by his standards. It's not particularly dancey. No. It's kind of maudlin. Yep. A bit depressing. Yeah, definitely. Well, in the film, Tom, this is played over a montage of him. Oh, um, this is Purple Rain? Purple, in Purple yes, Rain, yeah. So, so in the film Purple Rain, so this song plays as a montage of, of his character who's just lost his chick yep. to his arch rival... <laughs> So he's yeah. all like, the oh, with the Jerry curl. Yep. Yep. and then it's just question. him on a motorbike, just cruising along, being like, "Fuck!" And then this is playing. So it's <laughs> it, it's a great montage. Um, like, yeah, Prince riding a motorcycle, just being like, "Fucking hell!" Um, the his rival's name is Morris. Um, so it's just like, "Fucking yes. Morris!" So yes. it's sort of like, yeah. So it's you know, and the film, I guess, it's sort of like a semi autobiographical film I don't really know how much of it's true or not but I assume oh, he probably lost the chicken I'm sure he didn't stage. embellish anything about no, his life but, you know not at all not at all so look it's I, I think this is a pretty good song still gets played a lot catchy is it one of Prince's better songs 
he's just got so many songs. Yeah. It's really hard to say. I wouldn't put it up the top, but I can't argue with the fact that, you know, still yep. gets used. Yeah, I mean, he's, I think, uh, just doing my research for this, Prince released 39 albums before he died. Jesus. 39 albums. Released 97 singles, but he's estimated to have written um, somewhere between 500 to 1,000 songs. Yeah. So he was one of those people where when he died, there were just the vault just is crazy. A ton of unwritten stuff. And also, he wrote so many songs for other people, too. You know? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. So, look, he's going to have more albums coming out. Tupac style is going to keep coming out. I think Tupac released like two albums when he was alive and like 700 since he's been dead. So, I think um, Prince is going to be in the same boat. That vault is jam packed <laughs> of shit. Um, so yeah, so he wrote a lot of songs, but um, how many chicks do you think he banged? <laughs> Probably a lot. I don't know. I would say, given that he had his entire compound called Paisley Park, yeah. and if you look at it, it just looks like the ultimate bachelor pad exp- expanded up to a giant scale, and yeah. it was never. I don't. I mean, he did have. He had. He would have like proteges and stuff, but man, yeah. who knows? I'm guessing a lot. Yeah, I'd say for, a lot for a guy who was four foot ten, he, you know, yeah, he did pretty friggin' well. I'm I think thinking. I think that's a uh, question we'll never know the answer to. Unfortunately, <laughs> now that he's passed away, but um, maybe we can piece it together through some some research. <laughs> that could be a spin-off <laughs> podcast where we just try and find chicks at Prince's Bank, sure. but I don't really know whether that would have much appeal. <laughs> But um, yeah, but as you said, wrote a lot of songs for other people. Um, Nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor. I think everyone knows that one. Yeah, it's like that's pretty a common. Great one. But um, surprisingly, Manic Monday by the Bangles. Oh yeah, you feel you feel that? <laughs> Just another Manic Monday. Catchy. See, that's sort of yeah, it's very catchy. And uh, Love Thy Will Be Done by Martika, <laughs> off the seminal Martika's Kitchen uh, album. He so, was good at a he was good at a kind of verbal flourish. I'll give him that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when doves cry, classic example. Yep. It's a slightly overwrought metaphor, but it's got a visual kind of appeal that, you know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Also he managed to do an entire song title without turning a word into a letter or a number. True, true, so, true. Yeah, yeah, he loved to do like a two for like the he, number two and he, a U. He loved to do I mean, that he literally so. turned his name into a symbol. Generally. Yeah, he did, absolutely. Um, what that's a what a power move that is, though, I think. Like, and why did just, he do that for our for younger listeners? I obviously know because I'm super smart, but, you know, if you, <laughs> if you want to, had to explain it to people who don't know. Uh, so he was contracted to, to Warner Brothers, I think, um, and I think he wanted to get out of his record contract. Ah, uh, so, yes. Um, he by yeah I think they'd done something where they'd trademarked his name or, or done something where he wasn't able to use his own name to effectively oh, okay. promote his music so and that's that his was birth his name. real it's his name, name. Yes. Yeah, real name yeah. Yeah. it was not a stage name yeah exactly so he basically had to I think in order to just record music and release music change his name so he changed it but I, I gather there was some sort of clause in there to the yeah, the label as well. There was probably some right. some clause in his contract that said Prince or <laughs> Prince by whatever name is known or something like that. So he changed it to the love symbol, um, <laughs> which is not a love heart. No, would have been much easier symbol. To do. But um, here's something I found out, which I think is awesome. Um, so 
what happened was that the symbol that he'd used, because his record label, I think, um, were trying to release music yeah. and he was using using his symbol. Um, so I guess in order to get that published into magazines, because he wasn't known as Prince anymore, I think it, eventually people just called him the artist formerly known as Prince because yes. it became a lot easier. Which is annoying to type, but it's less annoying yep. in the pre-Photoshop days than trying to manually insert this fake symbol that he yeah. made up. <laughs> so what happened was, though, this is, this is pre-internet, you may remember, so... His record company had to send out floppy disks to music <laughs> magazines that contained the font that would accommodate the glyph so the press would be able to continue writing about him. So it's impossible to type on an ordinary keyboard. No. Still to this day, you can't do it. So imagine getting that floppy disk in the mail to like the NME or like Smash Hits or whatever the fuck it would be so they could, you know, put that in, get yeah. a new special font so they could publish that. And I'm just like, that's pretty sick. So massive respect. It's a power to move. It's a massive power move. So that's pretty cool. So he did that for ages. And then I gather whatever time period was on his contract or whatever, yep. or however many records he had to release, he was eventually Prince again before he passed away, unfortunately. But um, yeah, look, Prince has got more number one. So we can talk more about Prince later because he's got so many hits. Like uh, I'm a big fan of a lot of his, his songs. So yeah, but um. Nine million listeners on Spotify Jeez. doesn't surprise me. No, this I costs you eighty more. cents, um, which I think is a pretty sweet deal. Look, you got just, anything for me, Tom? I just admire a guy who can convince the world mm. that being four foot ten and dressing like a gay Turkish figure skater from nineteen seventy three is the hottest shit out. But he pulled it off. He did, yeah. like he did, you know. And he wasn't. He was a straight dude, and he just made it work. And just you know, it just makes you wonder if maybe just the key. To being hot is just believing that you're hot. <laughs> I think it's believing and probably a couple of mil in the bank might help. Sure, well, so, yeah. yes. And having a you know giant house that's like Never Neverland, but for consenting adults, <laughs> like, you know, probably helps too. <laughs> Do you reckon he had a Daytona USA machine there? <laughs> Only if it was purple, I yeah. reckon. I mean, like... Oh, by the way, just after he died, just as a watch. If you haven't seen the Prince performance at George Harrison's tribute concert, uh, doing While My Guitar Gently Weeps, do yourself a favour. Like, he could really play guitar on yep. top of everything else. That just fucking, yeah. I won't go over with the lyrics. Um, <laughs> although there's a couple, of, you know, touch, if you will, my stomach. Feel how it trembles inside. You've got the butterflies all tied up. Don't make me chase you. Even doves have pride. Yeah. I'm not sure if they do, to be honest, Prince. Also, the things have... with the butterflies make zero sense. Like, it just, you know, even if your girlfriend's, like, individually restraining all of the butterflies, you know. It, yeah, but look. Yeah, you know, do, do, yeah. It's, yeah, that's a good question. We'll call you a purple ambulance. It's all good. Absolutely. All right. Um, just real quick, MC Hammer sampled this for his hit song, Pray. Oh, of course he did. Sure. Pray, you need to pray just to make it today. We'll get to talk more hit. about Hammer <laughs> later, which is good, because I've got a lot to say about MC Hammer. Um, so, okay, so what happened after one week of Prince being awesome? One week of Prince, then we had a couple more weeks to wait me out before you go, By go. a couple, do you mean seven more weeks? Uh, yeah, a few more, <laughs> a lot more. And then we get into September... Um, Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? Oh, okay. What's love but a secondhand emotion? So, there you mm. go. 
Not um, written by her? No, this wasn't written by her. I don't know whether she she's penned any of her own songs, but um, interestingly, up to this point, um, Tina Turner was considered a novelty act, like a sort of a, a not novelty, really? sorry, nostalgia act. Is, oh, is what I mean. oh goodness! So because she she was big, you know, in back the 60s in the seventies, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she was quite big back then, you know, Tina Turner and Ike Turner, obviously you know, doing that stuff together. So she hadn't really had a hit for a while. So by 83, people were like, oh, you're just, just a nostalgia act. She's just doing nostalgia shit. It's pretty shit. impressive, isn't it? Yeah, so she was able to come back. Um, Not only come back, but she came back as a kind of sex symbol still. She well, did. Like, she was, you know? she, when this song came out, she was 44. Um, so, and this was number one. So she was the oldest female to have a number one hit in the U.S., at this stage, I don't know whether that's, that's been broken. That's pretty impressive. So that's pretty good. But yeah, a sex symbol at 44. Um, yeah, so she had this. This is a big hit. And then after this, this had a stream of other hits, more other successful yeah, stuff. Yeah, she did. And then so she'd gone from a, a nostalgia act into like a fully fledged How proper pop star in her 40s and 50s. did she feel about Thunderdome? Was she pro or anti? <laughs> <laughs> Two know. men entering and one man leaving. I, think. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I think she was pro. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, it was good to see her get back into acting with that. Mm, so. That's one word for it. Certainly. Yeah, yes. definitely. She looked good with her straight blonde mullet and um, chain mail shoulder pads. I'll give her that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely right. So the song is effectively about banging someone you've got no emotional connection to, I think. <laughs> very um, 80s, sure. Very, very 80s. Um, won the Grammy for the best song of the year this year. So wow. the Grammy people just went out of all these songs. So, pity I mean, she didn't write it. But It is know, a pity she didn't write it. But, um, she does a good job. Like I can't remember exactly the Grammys of this year, but I think she was up against um, the 12th man for It's Just Not Cricket. So I think... I believe that was the the two uh, at the end. So, (laughs) as far as I know, I think it was that. So it was Billy Birmingham and 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 Tina Turner. But then the Americans went, "We don't know what cricket is. We don't know anything about this song. Why was it even nominated?" It's not a song. It's not a song exactly. (laughs) For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, and a Norwegian DJ remixed this in 2020. Um, What a shock! What a surprise! And yeah, it was pretty shit. Um, and it wasn't at 180 BPM, so that was his first mistake. He should have really pumped it up. incredibly bad dance music remixes of 80s and 90s songs? Is this uh, Gen Y and Gen Z getting back at us for making them watch Ghostbusters 48 times? Probably is. I by think different is. directors. <laughs> so going, oh, I've got to watch, you've made us watch Ghostbusters, let's yeah. do this. But yeah. So look, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a lot more to say about this. She's pretty metal, though. I think she's the most metal she pop singer. Like, I mean, that vocal Thunderdome. Like, she's what? literally metal. Goddamn. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, absolutely. No, she made the sort of the texture in her voice really work for her. Mm. I mean, lyrically, got um, what have we got here? I've been taking on a new direction, but I have to say, I've been thinking about my own protection. It scares me to feel this way. Mm. It kind of sucks to think that you know. This song, which is sort of straightforwardly about not wanting to fall in love with someone that you're boning down with, takes on a certain resonance when you factor in that she ran away from her long-time abusive husband yeah. seven years prior to this. And, yeah, 
Fucking, it's a shame. <laughs> Fuck that dead prick. His wife had all the skills anyway. Absolutely. He was definitely riding on her coattails for his whole life, I would suggest. So, um, he's cancelled. He, like, you know, I don't want to step out of line here, but I'm yep. saying Ike Turner is officially cancelled. We're going to need a sound effect for cancelling people. We are, we are. We cancel everyone. Some sort of air horn. So, Tina, 10 million on the Spotify. Jeez, she's, she's cracked she's, the 10 she's mil. Winning. She's doing well. Um, and Discogs, you can pick this up for 36 cents. But um, there you go. So yeah, one week for that. And then um, fast forward, 17th of September, George Michael, Careless Whisper. Wow. Is He's this back. Wham? Or no. Just this George is just Michael. George Michael. Oh, okay. So this is, this, uh, which is interesting. So he's going solo already. He's going solo because... Um, which is weird because in Wake Me Up Before You Go Go, he mentioned he didn't plan on going solo. I think so. So he's sort of just he's flipped the script, Tom. He's just went. He thinks the man yeah, protests too much for sure. So weirdly, um, so they can't have broken up already. They it must have been testing the waters. So this is yeah. this is it's a little bit odd because um, my research, <laughs> my minimal research suggests that so at the so George Michael wrote pretty much every Wham song himself. He wrote all the songs, yep. except um, he Wham Rap, which was Michael, <laughs> George Michael and uh, and Andrew Ridgely. And this one. So, okay. And this one. Ah, oh, so they did write this together. So they wrote, so this is one of the few ones that Andrew Ridgely <laughs> co-wrote, yet when it was released, it was just released as a George Michael solo song, so I'm not quite How sure. Strange. So I, I just that assumed, must have been a weird. And this was also hey. this was also on the Wham album, so that was pretty Ooh. bizarre. So okay. I gather that George is just like I'm planning on going solo at this point in time. I don't know what happened, but yeah. Anyway, hmm. so they released this, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's it's a Wham song, I guess, effectively, but a George yeah. Michael solo song. Doesn't I guess maybe they just thought it doesn't sound like the sort of other bubblegummy fun no. sort of stuff. No. But, um, is this the best use of a saxophone in all recorded music? <laughs> it's pretty in good. the history of recorded music. I, I mean, I will say, like when you say "Careless Whisper" to me, I, that, that immediate musical. The only bit I really thinking of is oh, exactly. like it's the that's the, the melody is the saxophone in this. So yeah, absolutely you know. right. So I mean, the eighties had a lot of great saxophone solos. And obviously, oh, for sure. (laughs) I really hope so. Um, I know a lot of bands these days have a strictly no reads policy, Tom. So I'm not sure whether that should be, they should get rid of that and just say, look, we want the reads back. We want the saxophone back. We want a sax solo. But I think that um, the interesting thing is that, yeah, like the saxophone obviously gets used, uh, you know, in other genres of music, you know, Mm. big band sort of stuff, I guess, jazz. There's a lot of, a lot of, Uses for the saxophone, but I don't think it's ever been used as well as it was in this no, song. It's um, pretty great. In excess, very they had some great sax solos, but in this, did. the sax really is the song. This like, is and not super in a Kenny ca- G way. No. Like it's it's yeah. This is super catchy. It's sort of like a little bit sexy, dare I say, mm, and but also kind of mournful, which is and kind more, of how the sax sounds like. It's yeah. Hard, yeah, and and it's difficult to make something sexy yet mournful. But I think George mm. Michael's pulled it off. Um, lyrically though, um, I'm never going to dance again. (laughs) Guilty feet ain't got no rhythm. Is that true? Some people have a problem with that lyric, but I would say, you know, after sheep, sheep, diddy, wop, come, come, wang, dang, I'd, you know, I'd forgive it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, guilty. Yeah. (laughs) 
The thing about Guilty Feet having no rhythm is I think that's... Let's dispose of jury trials, Tom. <laughs> Let's get rid of the jury. I've been saying this for a year for, for years. Criminal trials, criminal procedures. Why have a jury when you can just have some... And why have a trial? Mm. Get up, say, look... Dance you to this song. Kenny G you play. You play Careless Whisper. Let someone dance. Yeah. If you have rhythm, you're clearly innocent, <laughs> and you're you know acquitted of all charges. Sure. If you're guilty, then the, maybe the judge just has to you know judge it not on you know the facts of the case, but more on the rhythm. Sure. So the judge can look yeah. at that and say no rhythm, <laughs> guilty. And I think it sort of works. It saves a lot of time. There's a lot of backlogs in the court. It would, you know, <laughs> smooth, smooth out the whole process. Do they have any rhythm? No. <laughs> Guilty. 25 years behind bars. So I think Mike, George Michael's onto something with yeah, this. Yeah, no. He's yeah. definitely streamlined the legal system. Absolutely. Absolutely. So look, it's, you know, this is great song. Really like it. Really like that saxophone. Um, Careless tw- Whisper. Good title. Oh, very, very good title. Very, very good Sort title. of sexy, verging on slutty, verging on melodramatic, but not quite. Which yeah. is kind of like the lyrics, I would say. For sure. Good for on sure. Him. Absolutely. And good on Andrew Ridgely for writing one decent song in his entire career. So no, he's, he's done very, very well there. So, completely. Um, yeah, so, 10 million on Spotify. Seems about right. Not uh, bad for a dead guy. Not at all. Um, and he had thirty-five million in December. I brought the December thing up because I think people uh, yes. sort of, you know, gravitate towards his, his songs in December. Um, Andrew Ridgely has seven hundred. <laughs> so I thought you were going to say seven hundred thousand. Seven no, just just the seven hundred. He had that one solo. I think I've album, got seven hundred followers on Spotify. Yeah, absolutely. And I only did that one cover of Wham Rap. <laughs> Uploaded onto Spotify, <laughs> sure. you know, get the streams. It's all good. Forty-one cents for this one. I think that's a pretty sweet deal. I actually, I actually own a copy of this on Seven Inch Tom, um, and I, I think so. I paid a dollar um, at Cunningham's in in Mowbray in Launceston um, when they were still selling records out the back of there. So I got ripped off. I could have waited a few years ago on for forty-one cents, but that's okay. Oh, I you've think. done well. I'd but say. yeah, I think sixty cents. Um, hmm. Look, I'll, you know, it's fine. I'm happy to concede that. Um, so yeah that's great love that one next Stevie next Wonder Stevie Wonder uh, what's I just called here? to say I love you truly the Lionel Richie of people who can't see yeah this <laughs> shit sucks um, I hate this one and yeah actually now that you mention this Stevie Wonder had better watch out because Lionel Richie does have a penchant for stalking people you know <laughs> who are visually say, impaired if you merged the two characters from that Lionel Richie into one thing it's just Stevie then Wonder just Stevie Wonder getting stalked by Lionel to Richie. suck at you over the phone yeah oh, exactly I just Look, called to suck in your ear hole yeah. so this was number one for eight weeks it's it's pretty boring I think this has an age where it's really boring I find it super boring won the Academy Award for the best song mm. in a film or something Jesus um, beating what, what out what film was it in oh fuck knows I don't, <laughs> I don't know oh hang on no but, you've written it here have I? Yeah, it's the lead single from the film, The Woman in Red. Oh, I did write that. So, The Woman in Red, which is... Um, Sorry, I thought we should just do another film thing, because it's a recurring theme in these. Yeah. And The Woman in Red, if you haven't seen it, it's effectively a film about if you see a supermodel on the street, 
you will eventually get to bang. Uh, That's the, basically it. The I think. ten scenario. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So, by, um, yeah. So Gene Wilder just sees someone hot. And then he just follows her around mm. and then they bone and that's effectively... I mean, it is Kelly LeBrock, so I can't entirely blame him. Kelly LeBrock, uh, don't you mean Mrs. Steven Seagal? <laughs> oh my God, I forgot that they were... I remember that they were in a movie together. They were in a movie together and oh, they got Kelly, married. So I Kelly obviously saw something in Steven that a lot of other people don't I see. I would have thought the star of Weird Science had better taste in men <laughs> than that. <laughs> Jesus. That's, um, look... I was going to say that's an odd marriage, but I think a lot of Hollywood marriages are pretty weird. Um, but this is... I, th- I assume that when she married Steven Zagali, it was at the height of his powers. Like, mm. he was still able to walk yes. and bend back wrists a lot. <laughs> like, right. snap, you know, kick tables. The best ponytail in yeah, showbiz. Yeah, like, I don't really think he can really do any of that stuff now. <laughs> Certainly some of the films I've seen of his in, in latter years. Um, the ability to, to kick anything above, sort of, mm. one foot off the ground seems implausible. But to quote Tony, Martin, he's dressed like a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> he certainly, he, yeah. So, Kelly LeBrock, I, I assume they're divorced now, yeah, they're ex wife, so well, they're not so. together. So. But, yeah, um, so Woman in Red, um, good, good, uh, I don't know. I can't say whether it's good or not. <laughs> I have seen it, but it was a very long time ago. I saw the trailer for that at the start of VHS when I was very young. It was quite formative. Like, you know, yeah. she was in Weird Science. You watch these trailers at the age of 13. And, yep. You know, but yeah. if your mum won't buy a VHS, you just have to infer it. In that age, you just assume they're all basically pornos. You know, oh, but I, I think, I don't even think it's actually got boobs in it, which is pretty tame by 80s movie standards. Yeah, I mean, even movies about wisecracking talking animals had several scenes in strip clubs back then. Yeah, you know, for just sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. How you made a movie? It is. It's like, oh, we need more strip club scenes just for no I'm apparent talking reason. Talking about uh, weird science because that's how exciting. I just call to say I love you. It, it, it features in another film that springs to mind, which is in. Uh, High Fidelity, where they literally kick a guy out of a record shop for asking for this song. Oh, do Because it, it just serves as a stand-in for boring, boring baby boomer, middle-class white guy music. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's good of John Cusack to do that. <laughs> um, but interestingly, won the Academy Award, um, yeah, for best for the song in The Women in Red. But the songs that it beat out, you've got Against All Odds, Take a Look at Me Now by Phil Collins. Sure. Fucking hell, like Phil Collins. I mean, I mean that dude doesn't if you can write bad songs. Boring Phil Collins. Yeah, exactly. Footloose, which we've talked <sighs> about before. That song's better than this. Oh, definitely. Let's hear it for the boy. <laughs> that's better than this. Sure. And uh, Ghostbusters by Ray Park well, Jr. That's definitely better than this. So I feel like that Stevie Wonder um, eight weeks at number one and an Oscar for this. Bollocks. Yeah, and look, interestingly, here's, here's something I want to raise really quickly. Um, the songwriters, um, so, so Lee Garrett, um, in 1985, sued Stevie Wonder, claiming that they wrote a song called Hello, It's Me, oh, that they played for Wonder, <laughs> yep. who stole the title and the chorus idea. Well, the chorus is the best bit yeah. of the song. It's the only so, sort of catchy part of the song. Absolutely. So another lawsuit where basically mm-hmm. people have accused mm-hmm. Stevie of ripping it off. Mm-hmm. And in his testimony, Wonder claimed that he wrote the chorus to I Just Called to Say I Love You in uh, his specific date, 16th of July, 1976, while returning home from a visit to his mother. 
So Stevie Wonder's <laughs> saying, look, I couldn't have... Sure, there's you... no way I could have made that I... date up I... Exactly. by looking at a calendar and pointing at a day. I played this to you at a certain date. I claim that I wrote <laughs> it at a date previous to that. Case closed. Um, seems like a scam. But interestingly, the lawsuit created some problems for Wonder's Oscar win as only songs written specifically for films were eligible. Okay. So it doesn't count if they just like the song and went. No, if you write a song behind Kelly LeBrock taking her top off. Exactly. Okay. So he had to write he had to see Kelly LeBrock take her top off, write a song about that, and then put it in the film. So if you've just written a song at some time in the past and then want to put it in a film, that's not good enough. It has to be written specifically for the film. So by Wonder claiming um that he'd written this in 1976. Ah, I see. He was effectively writing himself out of contention. Yeah, so he's he's effectively... He won the lawsuit, but then later on people are saying, well, wait a minute, you didn't write that specifically. Did they take the it film. off? They didn't. And oh. I think it's time that we started a campaign <laughs> to make sure that the 1985... Sorry, 1984 Academy Award for Best Song in a Film <laughs> is stripped of Stevie Wonder and given to... I'm going to say Ray Park Jr. Ghostbusters. Yes, I'm going to wholeheartedly agree with you. <laughs> All right, let's get a crowdfunder happening because also, he's clearly breached the rules I'm by gonna, saying I wrote this fucking 10 years I'm going to ask you another question. Yeah. Stevie Wonder, Ray Parker, which of these two people appeared on The Cosby Show? Oh, both. No. <laughs> Stevie Wonder. Did he? Stevie oh, Wonder. No. <laughs> Did he really? So it was he's another wonder of another one of their distant relatives who turned out to be a famous musician that Bill Cosby liked and wanted to crowbar onto the show. Jesus, we better cancel <laughs> this dude as well. Actually, I believe that the episode um, that he appeared on in the Cosby Show was called "A Touch of Wonder," <laughs> which just sounds fucking so creepy. Was it really? Yeah, it was called oh "A Touch of Wonder." Um, I remember watching it. As yeah. A so yeah. So Stevie showed up on the Cosby Show, sung. Some of this song, the episode was called A Touch of Wonder, which now in hindsight is just disturbing, whether the touch is, especially if the touch is coming from Bill Cosby. But um, yeah, pretty weird. Um, so yeah, Stevie, you cancelled A, B, we're going to try and strip that Academy Award from you and give it to its rightful owner because you clearly didn't write the song for mm-hmm. the film Woman in Red. So there no. you go. Um, Stevie Wonder... Stevie, do you reckon mm. it's short for something? Stephen? <laughs> uh, Steveland. Get fucked. No, his name is <laughs> Steveland Judkins. So I just assumed that Stevie was short for Stephen, short for Steveland. Now, look, I don't want to criticise his parents, but that sounds made up. It's a terrible name. Steveland Judkins. So. Okay, there's so many questions to ask about that, but I'm not the man to ask them. So no, exactly. How many how many hits has he got? Oh, jeez. On Spotify. Uh, um, 23 million. <laughs> so oh, fucking loads. Lord. So he is by far the most popular person yeah. that we've talked about. Well, That's except for except for Wham! in December, which seemed to hit 50 except million for some reason. Wham! in December. A lot, a lot so there. he's like twice as popular as Tina Turner. That's crazy. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely. Um, but you can get this for 16 cents, which Maybe. to me implies that no one gives a flying shit about Baby boomers or people overseas, I guess. Oh, I don't know. I the don't know. lyrical stuff, it's so tedious that it there's nothing interesting. The only thing I can think of is that he... It's appropriate that he mentions a box of chocolate candy hearts because listening to this song is like eating 
just the gooey pink ones out of a whole giant catering tub of chocolates. I mean, you know, what a cliche anyway. Why would you even put that in a song? Anyway, yeah, it reminds me of the fucking, the sort of 70s radio ballad shit that everyone conveniently forgotten is massive. Like, you know, the stuff Dudley Moore's girlfriend writes in 10 that, you know, (laughs) everybody's edited out of their memories of the 70s in favour of the you know Led Zeppelin and disco that people actually still listen to that wasn't actually what they were listening to on the radio but anyway that's yeah. enough of that nonsense okay what do we got next um, just real quick before we move on oh, um, I just want to say look um, apartheid <laughs> serious <laughs> serious sure. man sure. apartheid in South Africa it was rough just say no to apartheid I think, was, I think uh, say no to apartheid it was, it was obviously rough um, on a lot of people, clearly, you know, something that, you know, it was alive, it was alive and well in our lifetime, Tom. I don't think it was mm, until the 90s the that they sort of abolished it. The fact that it was so. still in the 80s kind of blows my mind. Yeah, exactly. The fact that, you know, they sort of had the segregation that we sort of only hear about, um, you know, in America and sort of, you know, the 50s and 60s and yeah. those sorts of things. So, yeah, it was sort of like, uh, by that I mean sort of, in, you know, America seemed to, you know, Abolished this sort of thing a lot earlier, but South Africa is still moving into the nineties. It was around. Oh, yeah. It seems it's completely not, we're not crazy. just talking about racism. We're talking about separate drinking fountains, separate exactly. schools, separate exactly. you know, living exactly. arrangements. Yeah. So everything about it just seems completely crazy and completely you know just just terrible for a lot of people in society. But um, one benefit is of apartheid. <laughs> not really a benefit, but. Um, Stevie Wonder, when he won the Academy Award, said, I'd like to dedicate this and I'd like to accept this award in the name of Nelson Mandela. The next day, the South African government banned his music. (laughs) So, effectively... Taking a stance. After 1984, Stevie Wonder was banned in South Africa. So, while apartheid was rough, (laughs) the people of South Africa didn't have to listen to... (laughs) This fucking terrible song. Um, I hope he's still banned there now. I hope even after apartheid ended, that they just sure. went. Let's just keep that ban going, because that's you know it's you know going. God, I have to. I, I want to drink water. I can't drink at this fountain because you know I'm black. I have to go over there. Mm-hmm. But at least when I go into a supermarket, I'm not going to have to hear. I just called to say, to say I love you. On the radio because he's been banned. So look, swings and roundabouts. You look at the positives. I can't completely hate Stevie Wonder because he did write uh, Superstition. Oh yeah, he's obviously which is some good one songs. of my all-time favourites. But yeah, you know that's it doesn't mean well, he wasn't it, capable of sucking. We'll give time. him a partial cancel. <laughs> that's fine. Um, so yeah, so that was number one for fucking ever. Um, it was number one for everywhere in the world except for Japan. They didn't like it there. I've always respected the Japanese. They every just went, this shit sucks. Almost, or not, not every country, but I had a look and it was effectively, like just Jeez. almost every country. I didn't realise it was that big. Like right, yeah. Cool, all right. Let's so, put that behind us. Yeah, so moving on. Last one of the year, Tom, December, Madonna, Like a Virgin. Oh, yeah? Three Everyone, weeks. Yep, three weeks. Last this three is, weeks. This year. is a hit. Um... Everyone knows this one. Look, I don't really feel like we need to talk about Madonna much. I guess everyone knows who Madonna is. People know this song. It's one of her biggest hits. She's got a lot of hits over the years. Um, so I guess um, probably something I just wanted to, to raise really was something, probably one thing that I found interesting about her career was um, a few years after this in the early 90s, she released an erotic 
<laughs> book <laughs> yes, by the name did. of Sex. Oh, yes, she did. Now, I assume most people are familiar with this, but if you're not, it's sort of like the biggest pop star in the world, <laughs> you know, who is at the height of their powers, yes. selling a lot of records, touring the world, selling out stadiums everywhere, can effectively, you know, just live off that, decides to release a book where it's just her naked on every page um, with mm. a lot of leather, a lot of very, I wouldn't say sketchy, but sort of sort of images that you'd probably oh, want to yeah. hide. You probably wouldn't want people to you, be seeing this stuff, but she's actively to, publishing this. And not just that, it's also, it's it's interspersed with her weird fanfic mm. slash fic of herself. Like, it's, it's very odd. I mean, it's easy to sort of look at, it, it doesn't, by today's standards, it seems... You know, still pretty full on, but yep. not. But like, the, you have to factor in the time difference. Like, the modern equivalent would be like Beyonce putting out a hardcore pornographic movie, interspersed with her reading out, you know, the slash fish fic she'd written about her and Harry Potter hooking up with Captain Picard graphically for oh, several pages at a time. Like exactly, the, and then charging people a thousand dollars to watch it for sure, or something like that. It was, you know, pretty weird. I mean. Can you see, I mean, biggest pop star, I was like, yeah, could, could you see Tones and I releasing a book of her, you know, with, with basically just containing pictures of her fingering herself in a KFC? Could you, <laughs> could you see that? Because that's what this is, effectively, I guess. Sure, maybe, but... Yeah, sure, not, not Tones and I, no, she'd, she'd never do that, so... Um, Sorry, who were you talking about? <laughs> you know, da- the dance monkey person? No, I don't. Yeah, it sucks, don't worry. You've, you've done well to not hear that song anyway, so... She, um, in, in about 50,000 weeks, when it's 2020 <laughs> or 19, she has a song that's number one for about a million years. Oh, so. okay, sure. It's a show we've fixed out. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's basically that. But, um, yeah, so look, interesting, weird. Um, I think probably, look, I don't know. I, I just thought because, you know, talking about Madonna, you know, everyone knows about her. So, I just sort of thought I might read out a passage from the sex book. Oh, if that's please okay. do. It's fine. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, so, here we go. This is... So as as Tom mentioned, yeah, there's some weird fanfic, some weird sort of like just stuff in there, a lot of lot of nudity. Um, but here we go. Some people want to be punished. Some women want to be slapped around. Some men do too. I think for the most part, if women are in an abusive relationship and they know it and they stay in it, they must be digging it. <laughs> now, that's a hot take. Um, in 1991, but Sorry, I what's that sound? Oh, it's the cancel bill going off. Again. That that hot take has <laughs> aged worse than some of Madonna's songs, I would suggest, because um, she does go on to say, "I have friends who have money and are, are educated, and they stay in abusive relationships, so they must be getting something out of it." Um, <laughs> what do you think? In 2020, Madonna. if I went onto Twitter and said, um, if you're in a domestic relationship, if you're a victim of domestic abuse, you're probably getting something out of it and you love it. Um, I'd probably be put in jail. Yeah. I think, so. I, you'd certainly be not very popular yeah. except uh, with, you know, Trump voters. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Oh, look, mean, this was published in the early 90s, so I don't know. Even, even then, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just goes to show, like, that's a good example of... You, you kind of have to look at the book. I'd, I'd only remembered... 
seeing excerpts of it was a real pop cultural artifact in the early 90s because back then it was the monoculture so every single tv show that did jokes about anything happening in the popular consciousness would just talk about this for weeks at a time which is no doubt exactly why she did it in the first place so props to publicity for that sort of thing but like watching it at that age like not being able to actually access the book myself i assumed that it was much more erotic like when you actually look at it now i mean it's full of pictures of naked people including madonna and full of fairly graphic writing like that's a fairly mild chapter compared to some of it but the thing you really notice about it weirdly like almost everything madonna did it's kind of ostensibly sexual but actually incredibly not erotic at all oh like it's just there's something i don't know if it's how calculated it is or just like that she's just not capable of kind of the yeah there seems to be no sincerity in it whatsoever it just seems to be oh what i'm gonna i'll wear it's like if i'm explicit that'll just become erotic by nature of just you know being over the top it's faux erotic faux artistic it's sort of sort of fake everything and Um, it's so calculatedly shocking that it's just like there really isn't anything sexy about to talk no not really not really Um, (laughs) and she's also blaming sexual uh, sort of oh yeah on top of that I did forgot about the part where she says if you hang around with an abuser then you must be into it yeah exactly right so (laughs) definitely Um, look yeah we can cancel Madonna I think off the back of that one she was good at that stuff like I mean this is a perfect example it's called Like a Virgin yep the, the lyrics when you listen to them are fairly innocent sounding really yep like you can you know as Tarantino does in the monologue in Reservoir Dogs if you want to you can turn it into something about you know increasing dong size or whatever but like really like the sex book the edgiest thing about it is the title yeah which is designed to sort of promote provoke but I mean you know it works like Clever too. It's also one of her earliest videos that's full of Catholic imagery yes. combined with boobs or yep. cleavage or lingerie worn as outerwear, which is again calculated just yeah. on a very surface level to provoke, which it did. Like yep. it worked. It totally helped make her famous. And she used that for years after. Oh yes, that's the, that's yeah, sort of years imagery. and years. Like you'd say, the sex book was like nearly a decade after this, so she yeah. just kept it going, and, and much longer than that. But yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, if you're in an abusive relationship, just stick on in there because it sounds like it's a bit of fun. Um, Thanks, Madonna, for that one. So, yeah. And if you're wading through a forest of unimpressive dick, then, you know, take Madonna's (laughs) advice and you'll make it through the wilderness before you finally get to hook up (laughs) with vanilla ice in a grainy black and white photo in a book called Sex, you know? Yeah, that's probably the other funniest part. I feel like a virgin. (laughs) Yeah. And not That's, ice ice baby. <laughs> <laughs> the weird that is one of the other weirdest things about it, isn't it? The fact that she she's made this book, but it's obviously it's being produced at the precise time she's in a relationship with Vanilla Rice. So Man. So I don't know how long they were together for. I don't I gather it was a very short period of time. I'd but forgotten that they were like I don't know how long it was, but um obviously he was in the picture at just the right time to make an appearance in this sex book. So, I don't know. Pretty weird. Um, but yeah, so you get to see him. Um, but only in the, in the sort of, in the in the back half. So I'm not sure. But uh, how he's, he's in there a little bit. Not a lot. But, I mean, um, I like, honestly, I do recommend, if you're, if you're younger and you haven't heard of this or you don't have any idea what it actually looks like, 
just you can download a PDF of it yep. somewhere or just have a squeeze at it. You will see what I mean. It is weirdly unerotic, unerotic for a book that features so much nudity and graphic language. Like it's just weirdly not hot at all. It's yeah. strange. Like, yeah. Exactly, exactly right. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Madonna's got 13.6 mil um, a month on the Spotify. It's a lot, but not it as many, much as some of the people Not as many Stevie Wonder. No, no, Stevie Jesus. Wonder. So, but, you know, we've cancelled that guy. Uh, and once he hands back that Academy Award, I reckon those numbers are going to plummet as well. So, we'll see Madonna <laughs> overtaking. Sure. 74 cents for this, which doesn't... I mean, all of these singles seem to be like less than a dollar because I just gather that they... To get yeah. to number one, they must have sold hundreds of thousands, <laughs> if not millions of them. So there's a lot out there and people probably... Maybe we need to figure days. out. There must be some other metric that's a bit more interesting. I find the, spot, the followers on Spotify is more yeah. telling, I reckon, because it shows you how many people still give a shit about them that's true. nowadays. You know, yeah. Whereas the record thing, you, kind of, you don't know how many they did yeah. In the first place, you know, like yeah, like some of the shittier ones have a higher price. Just yeah, because there's not very many of them. So, so what do we got just as a wrap up for so the that's, what so else that's happened it. this year? So that's it. So just yeah, some other stuff that was huge that didn't make it to number one. Um, so the year's best charting single um, was so. By that I mean at the end of the year they do like a, a, an annual list yeah, of like, like the top songs of 1984. Thing, yeah. Yeah. So the biggest song of the year was actually Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark. Cool. So that was the number one song um, for the year in like terms of you know how many, I guess, um, how many it sold overall for the whole year, but it never sold enough in any particular week to get yep. to number one. It only made it to number five. So that's a popular one. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the video clip for that features... Um, Oh, it does too, does Courtney it? Cox. Yes. Which is, yeah, getting pulled on stage. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's probably one of her first acting roles. She did well. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Um, but also, um, Radio Gaga by Queen. Yep. Jump by Van Halen. Sure. Um, which my son loves, so it gets played, <laughs> you know, weekly. Oh, I mean, Van Halen's album was literally called 1984. Yeah, you know? I know. It could know. not have been bigger at this point. Exactly. So, shame that that didn't make it to number one, but I guess it was probably held up by Stevie Wonder or some bullshit. Um, <laughs> Heaven Must I Be There by the Eurogliders. Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. Um, obviously, <sighs> should have been number one and got an Academy Award if it wasn't for... <laughs> Fucking bullshit Stevie Wonder. Um, and Caribbean Queen by Billy Ocean. Ah, yes. That's uh, Caribbean Queen brackets, No More Love on the Run, no in brackets, the run. which belongs to one of my favourite minor subgenres of songs, which is the song which, you know, in 1980s, everybody just thought that the song title was the, the chorus. Yeah. So if your song accidentally became a huge hit and was not named after the chorus, then everyone would ring up radio stations asking for the name of the chorus song, <laughs> not knowing what. So then when they released it, they would put what uh, everybody thought it was called in no brackets after. That's where you get escape brackets, the pina colada song brackets, because everybody just thinks it's cool. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a minor trope of those. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Billy Ocean does, um, does actually say... 
Caribbean queen in the song, though, so I'm not sure what people are uh, so worried about there. But it's yeah. hard to hear what he's saying. Caribbean queen. Yeah, yeah. exactly. True. Um, and obviously, you know, I say Caribbean. Some people say Caribbean. So maybe true. that's an element of confusion as well. So my um, so this is a new segment I'm introducing. That's no, not really, but it's called <laughs> Forgotten Classic. Um, my forgotten classic of 1984 is Corey Hart Sunglasses at Night. <laughs> Um, which I think is a great song. It's it's a song about a guy wearing sunglasses at night, um, effectively. Why so, was he wearing sunglasses at night? Um, so I can't. It's it's funny. The the, the lyrics are. Um, I always conflate it with the song where the guy's future is so bright that he's got to wear shades. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think that's why he was wearing sunglasses at night. No, I think that's no. a different guy who's wearing sunglasses. The, the thing about it is that you sort of you think about why is he wearing his sunglasses at night and you just assume it's for some sort of like, oh, he's probably like perving on some chick or something <laughs> like that. But um, it's sort of, the, the lyrics are actually um, a little bit weirder than that. So, <laughs> I wear my sunglasses at night so I can watch you weave, then breathe your storylines. Uh, have we got another Lionel Richie situation going on here? Why are you wearing sunglasses <laughs> at night, bro? Oh, so I can watch you weave, then breathe your storylines? <laughs> I guess. So, I wear my sunglasses at night so I can forget my name while you collect your claim. Oh, it's got that cool little bridge, doesn't it? Where it he does, goes all yep. high. Yep. <laughs> Come switch to... It's, oh, uh, it. it's a great song. Um, <laughs> not sure where it landed on the charts. It should have been number one. Hey, song of hey, the year. no. I'd, I'd put that up there as well. So that's my um. So yeah, maybe that's maybe for future weeks we can try and find Got another, like yeah. a shittier. Well, not a shittier song. for you by Inexcess. That was another decent one. Uh, yep. Oh, relax, which is another Ooh. song featured in Zoolander. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. Can't believe that only got to five. Fucking hell, man! What a disgrace. <sighs> absolutely. So sunglasses at night only made it to number sixteen in Australia. So man, the fact that Ghostbusters got beaten to number one by the twelfth man is that's a war crime. Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, I don't know. It just shows how fucking uncivilized Australians are. I guess what a disgrace. Anyway, that's uh, nineteen eighty four. I didn't get any more Orwell references in. So no, I forgot about it. There'll be one next week. I promise. So. All good. Anyway, um, thanks for listening, and there'll be, I, I think it's some social media thing to do. Sure, search. guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs>